I'm sure at some point he's gonna be like, hey. Hey. What the fuck's going on down there? Welcome to episode 452 of WTF at TFW. Uh, my internet name is Vangelis, and that's internet name Aaron over there. Hi. With the look of worry and concern. Yeah. Because we're cracking into the truth behind your your big industry. No. <laughs> no, no, we are, or no, we aren't? No, it's not that you're cracking into the truth, it's that somebody might believe it. We're, we're cracking too deep into the truth. That's that's truth spelt with the, with the number two because it's that real. To Ruth. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Uh, we're also joined by uh, by internet name TJ Omega. Hello. I just presume it's my internet internet name. Like that could be my real name. You know, no. I, there's nothing. There's no split. Like I think I. Listen, I think Aaron's real name is Aaron. Unless he wants to actually flip this around on me and then start saying that, no, that's the part that's that's a lie. His real name is like I'm Albert. Saying, have you seen my birth certificate? Uh, no, I haven't. How do I know you, were, you weren't born in Kenya? You're the one who said it. Uh, but welcome to uh, another <laughs> round of Transformers talking. Uh, and the return of new picture picks, which I realized has actually been gone for a good while. Because we kept getting all these news dumps that I felt like were more important than digging for pictures. Um, so why don't we get right to it? New picture picks. Aaron, is there anything Transformers related you'd like to talk about today? Hey, we got a whole bunch of in-hand photos of MP36. Yeah, and I got really freaked out for a second because I forgot his Japanese release date. And then I got a, a payment request for something else. And I was like, oh, no, that no, that's supposed to be, no. And I looked, and I was like, oh, it's not, right. Okay. Funny story, sounds like we're going to get charged for him on April 3rd. Uh, but yeah, someone got a hold of one. Um, there is paint chipping on him, and the person who has him, I believe, is the one who said that this is not indicative of the final product, which then someone in the thread, I think, said, well, how'd you get it? And I was like, oh, innocent, innocent, beautiful, innocent person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this toy was smuggled out in pieces inside of someone. Yeah, like this actually was cleaned quite heavily. Uh, it probably wasn't inside somebody, but it certainly was uh, very likely something that wasn't ready for being packaged. Um, which doesn't mean it's broken. It just, you know, might might have had a paint chip. But it uh, is the best look we've had at this figure um, that wasn't magazine scans. And Aaron, how are you, how you feeling about this guy? Um, Better mm -hmm. a little bit, I think. Um. I still am not entirely sure where I sit psychologically on the we've gone larger scale on the pistol so that it it seems like it so that it feels like Megatron would have felt like in your hand as a child. Like that reasoning I find really weird because I would rather the reasoning be we wanted the robot mode to be a certain size. Right. Um, and, may and maybe that's I mean, really the reason. I I, I can see that. I just think that there's some stuff that looks like it's oversized just to be oversized. Hmm. Um, I get, and that's the thing is I know that scale is always a weird thing and they're probably trying to make it so that he scales with MP10 and like they, the one picture we have here against Soundwave, he looks about right in height. So he, yeah, okay. That's but, not the right sound wave though. 
That's, oh, is that? No, that's, that's, Titan's, that's Titan's, Titan's Return. return. Okay. Yeah. Now, that tricked me for a second, too, because I was like, man, he fits in better than I thought with... Oh, wait, that's not... That's not poetic sound wave that's other sound wave so then the masterpiece is bigger so yeah i don't i don't know then i don't if you're making it big to match size then it should apparently be even bigger i don't i mean we haven't we haven't seen him standing next next to that sound wave in any of these in-hand shots yet where you can you know really get everyone lined up i don't think it's going to be like such a difference it's going to really stick out though like granted i'm not a massive stickler for robot scale past like the one inch barrier mm-hmm. like if if it's plus minus an inch and it looks fine i'm usually okay with that you're not busting a, a ruler out next to everything no i keep losing rulers when i try to keep them near nearby my uh, my filming desk like i've actually lost about three rulers how i put them places and i forget where i put them and rulers are thin and and, and usually semi-transparent uh-huh and then i just I lose rulers very often. <laughs> okay. Don't give me valuable rulers, okay? Because <laughs> I'm going to lose them. So we've learned something new today. That's right. Uh, and not about Transformers. Uh-huh. Uh, no, so I... the Again, it's the thing that's... The other thing that's kind of back and forth is... His gun mode is incredibly panel-y. However, I know that's what it would have to be for his robot mode. It, because gun to robot is a significant process especially to make it look as as show accurate as possible mm-hmm. but i kind of wish um like i don't know if there's a better way to hide those lines or clean them up i think the but... other side of the gun mode is less panely because that's oh no never mind i just saw yeah, the other both, side yeah they're both per- panely because I thought the other side was where the removable chest plate was, and there was that whole thing about how you could use either chest plate in transformation. But I, I just realized I think that chest plate goes inside the gun. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, again, I don't know how you'd necessarily like some of that. I don't know if it could go up into the contour line over the rigid area for the slide or or what, because it is just going to be... I mean, and we've noted, it's going to be a stacking panel mess mm-hmm. to a certain extent, so... Like, I I guess that's what we got to do for it. But I just wish one of these in hand things, even if if it's a messy video, even if it was a sideways video, I wish someone had set up to just film a run through of the transformation. Good news. Someone did that right after this podcast was recorded within days. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because there's, I think, a lot of things that could be made clear. Um about our, our questions just you know you see the top-down shot of a bunch of accordion to panels his his like crotch plate looking like it's made out of 12 panels or something insane and it's the, like I'd, I'd like to see how that works and that that doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna suck to transform him because i've now seen it happen on a couple of toys where something that that is complicated is is complicated in its design but not in its uh, experience yes and uh, i'm hoping that that's the case with this guy where um, even if there's a lot of stages of transformation, as long as the motions are natural, then, right. you know, as long if, if if there's nothing that I can forget along the way easily, then a complicated transformation still works. Right. Um, Plus, and you also have, like, there are some toys that are very good about, okay, it's complex, but it's, and I think you know, we've talked about this before, of like, okay, it's complex when it does everything with its arms. 
and then is done with its arms and then everything mm. with its torso and then it's done with its torso and then everything with its legs and then it's done with its legs not some of the uh the crazy things like alternators where it's like okay you have to pull his arm a quarter of the way out rotate the chest plate up at a 45 degree angle rotate his arm the rest of the way out rotate his chest plate an additional eight degrees to the left in order to slide out his other arm in order to like on and on yeah untransform and retransform parts or or my personal least favorite thing is when you have to turn the thing into a trail of unfinished pieces Uh like you know like a sort of a string of parts and then start reforming it that always bugs me like yeah my, my personal favorite approach to complicated transformation is if i can if i can at least complete chunks at a time and specifically if i can finish the legs before tackling the waist up uh that makes me really happy because then i can stand the thing on the desk and i don't have to hold it the whole time um i actually really like that approach the the akiba ranger sh figure arts chogokin uh car um the itasha robo was great at that like that's a very large very heavy toy very complicated transformation but you transform the legs first from the waist down and then literally you can put it on the display stand and then transform from the waist up and it's genius because it's like the hardest parts of the toy are from the waist up and you don't have to hold on to it. You can just have it standing there and you can work on it and it will not fall over. Uh, still one of my favorite, like, really understated, clever design choices in transforming stuff. Um, TJ, how are you feeling about the enhanced shots of uh, MP36? It's nice to finally get good looks at this guy and how some of his elements work. The waist bend, for instance, so his... He has an ab crunch. I'm so into that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, that, that's actually was a surprise to me. I hadn't I hadn't seen that in any other photography. And that makes me a lot happier about his proportions. Yeah. Um, like a lot of these shots, seeing the poses he's pulling, like when when you have those kind of slim proportions, the way that you then start looking bulky is like the shot where he's shooting his fusion cannon, um, you know, legs out to either side, getting all the angles to show the widest sides of his limbs. Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of optical illusion here because there are some parts where if you stare at too much, like his biceps, for instance, he yeah. looks a little thin. Or his his entire midsection yeah. is just so mm-hmm. squat compared to his pelvis. Um, unless he's in like a an ab crunch can hide that really well. Because yeah. if you see it's tilted forward, even if it's physically that short, tilting it forward makes your brain think, well, that's perspective. And mm-hmm. it like it, it, that's fixed a lot of figures for me. Yeah, it's one reason why I'm not so upset about how his proportions in, like, gun mode came out. Because I realized that there's a lot to this toy that uh, is cheating for the sake of getting the toy right compared to, like, the original. Because, like, the original was so different from the animation model. Mm-hmm. Like, getting that an accu- getting an accurate gun mode out of that is difficult. Well, it- you know, you're not going to get it exactly the way it used to be. And, and you roll into that the insanity of like the stated design choice they made of we want this toy to have a similar transformation skeleton to the G1 toy. Yeah. Uh, given, that's, that's the part that really got my interest with this thing. Yeah. Given how many different things they're trying to accomplish at the same time, I can forgive some areas that are a little bit thin. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I understand, especially compared to what they tried to do for like their first MP Megatron. There's a lot of thin parts on him. Mm hmm. Because just at the time, that's just the best way they could figure out how to do it. So on this figure, okay, the gun's a little bit big in your hand. I, you're gonna, how often are you going to have it as the gun in the first place? 
Well, you'd you know, like, you'd be surprised how much of a top like we we've had three just in the masterpiece alike scale three Megatrons in the unofficial uh, world, and the the gun mode being too big to hold comfortably has been a massive talking point between the three of them. Like huh. which one is more comfortable in hand? And I have mocked that in the videos I've made about two of them. Uh, all in good fun. It's just I literally can't believe how important that is to a lot of people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, if, if that's your thing, if that's what you want, like, because I understand, like, if yeah. you have like nostalgia for the toy and you want to play with it, like you did as a kid, fine. The gun mode is vital. Yeah, and I just, understand that. It's just when the side, like, I I've seen at least once the just the exchange where the gun mode being the wrong size was the critical point that made someone put like you know option A down and pick up option B instead, and I was like, I don't understand you. Like right. for for that to be the thing that made you decide not to pick up this one but to pick up the other one, because uh, to me it's like Megatron is all about the robot mode, the transformation, and then looking like a gun. Like the scale yeah. of the gun mode is, is so unimportant. I just don't. I don't get it. I, I mean, I, yeah. it's not like, it's I, like I don't get it. I just personally, in quotes, don't get it. Right. Like for me, I can remember about. Offhand, I can remember about four times I even saw G1 Megatron transform in the cartoon. Mm. And then right. he shrinks. Right. Yeah. So that's the part that okay. I just don't get, man. It's like, it's so important that this is scaled to my adult hand. And I'm like, A, how many different sizes of adult hands are there? And B, this two. has nothing to do with, yeah, there's two. Exactly. Big and small. <laughs> Left and right. Come on. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You're right. Your right hand's the big hand, right? Sure. Right, you're not some kind of mutant. Not a mutie. But yeah, TJ, it, it's 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 legit a talking point I've seen in, in a lot of the third-party threads, which I feel when it comes to Masterpiece Toys, there's a lot of bleed over. I, I shouldn't be surprised by that. That is... Hmm. I, I know, I guess it's just because it's such a minor point to me. Like, I've mm -hmm. been want Like, for me, it's... I want the Megatron. I want him to look like he did in the show, and I want him to, like, have that... You know, that big powerful appearance of the main villain he had mm -hmm. like you know like and i just like if that's what it if if his gun mode being slightly bulky is what we paid in order to get out such a better looking megatron than the first attempt i have no problem with that whatsoever and and i mean that's the thing there's never been outside of the g1 megatron and then a bunch of non-masterpiece aimed ones like masterpiece style Megatrons, official and unofficial, have always kind of been bulky. Like original mm -hmm. MP Megatron, I re I recall being pretty darn big. Oh, I just had to transform mine to sell on eBay. It is gigantic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and then Apollyon, I've not handled Apollyon's gun mode, so I don't know about that one. Uh, Make Toys Despotron has a massive gun mode that also is like stretched vertically or in, in a visual sense. Which doesn't really bug me, but that was a killer for some folks. Uh, and then you got um, the DX9 one, uh, Mitron, who has a more compact gun mode, but it is still pretty darn big. You know, you're not really going to convince someone it's a real pistol. Uh, so it's, just, it's it's I don't I think at some point, and I, I'm overstating a little bit how important it is to like the greater fandom because I'm only talking about the conversations I've seen. So I'm sure it's not as big a deal as maybe I make it sound. But I also think it's like, if, if that is a big deal to you, you're never going to be satisfied because Megatron physically can't be as large as he needs to be in robot mode. Uh, unless you add even more hinges and panels. Mostly to the gun handle, I think. 
Like that's really the thing, right? Uh, let's move on from this Megatron and into another new picture pick. TJ, what's your new picture pick? I think I have but one option presented to me. There are two new Cyber Battalion toys in existence. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I almost brought those up as quote-unquote arms race, because it's like, technically no one's videotaped those yet. <laughs> uh, okay, where were those found? Because I didn't get that straight. Um, Taiwan. Okay. And these look completely new. Um, mm-hmm. no. They no? don't? Uh, uh, Jetfire is a remold of Starscream. All right, I was wondering about that, but I, I, you know, I've never handled any of them, so I wasn't sure. Uh, yeah, the ch- the chest, the wings, and the head are different. I think the rest of it is the same. Okay. Uh, the prowl is completely new. Is he? Okay. Yeah, because that's based on the Legends class. That's kind of cool. It looks like he has elbows and knees too. Mm-hmm. Well, the way those toys work, those might not work as knees because they might snap into position there. Oh, right, right, right. So it's a little bit hard to tell just from one static photo of these guys. But man, but, like two new ones. Yeah. It's the last thing I expected. <laughs> like, I, I thought that was like a completely canceled line. Like, to be fair, like the info I got on these kept going back and forth. Yeah. Whereas like some told me, no, no, they were never like a U.S. release thing. They were like really special markets. Brazil got a bunch. Uh, but I could also find prices for them on Hasbro's U.S. website. Yeah, I'm, like, when they sort of just showed up out of nowhere that first time, uh, it just made me think, like, okay, there is there is a warehouse somewhere with all of these. Yeah. <laughs> so some, it, someone made them. Yeah, it just felt like they had a whole warehouse full of these things that never got the product, never got the release that they were planning. Yeah. And so they just got, they just went wherever they, whoever would take them, just take however many you can fit. Well, I'm sure then these these will show up at Universal at some point. Well, Universal only had a select few. Like, I think, I want to say they had, like, Optimus, Starscream, and Bumblebee. I don't think they had, because I know they never had Megatron. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I think they only got a select few of those in. Oh, that sucks. Like, Megatron is the main one I've always thought about picking up if I ever saw it. Like, yeah. if, if I were there, you know? You know, that's pretty much the general consensus with the whole line, is that everyone wanted that Megatron. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a straight up cool Megatron. Um, God, now see, like I just went all in on these thinking this is a nice small collection that will never grow ever again. Even like, even with two new ones, I think that there is probably a growth rate of two to four per year on that line. Well, these it was like two thousand five or no two thousand five. That'd be a long time. Yeah, two thousand fifteen, mm-hmm. I believe, when these things came out first. So two years off between your first release and wave two yeah i mean i don't think you have anything to worry about (laughs) well i i worry about availability of actually getting my hands on these things if they're only being found in taiwan right now oh i mean it'll it'll probably be not the price you want to pay but like if if they're on a shelf somewhere they'll be on ebay Uh, Mm -hmm. i mean think about like evacs that were only available at one location after you rode one ride you could get for almost retail never even got those yeah like i I, I just because also as cool as as as, you know a certain couple aspects of cyber battalion are i don't think the demand for them is is anywhere near as high as some other hard to get Uh oh no 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 it's 
it's in that same category of like the energon built rules where they are exceedingly rare by transformers com- standards yeah but nobody wants them so it's it's like the rid creon creo sets mm-hmm. yeah you know it's like i've i i had people knocking on my door for them because i mentioned i'd seen them at a walmart and then i didn't see them again and i, I felt a little guilty but also a little relieved because i was like i don't want to have to go buy creo and then cross ship it to people because i'm lazy but like that stuff it, it has an audience and it, it, i think it is a bummer when it's like people really want it and it's only available elsewhere where maybe not as many people even care because <laughs> mm-hmm. you just want to bring those two those two elements together you know it's like oh this person right over here would buy one if they were in taiwan right now right no i've always been fascinated by those because we had that that visceral reaction to the last wave of beast hunters toys yeah Thinking, like that's what all transformers are going to be boo that very this, sad hasbro panel yeah <laughs> but this feels like that lost element we didn't get and I, i'm fascinated by that just the fact that this is what could have been and for what they are for like how cheap they were going to be for their size they're pretty good toys on the the prowl interests me because you know he's the new the fully new one of wave two and you know even in the context of cyber battalion i want to know if maybe any lessons were taken from wave one that were carried into whatever they did with prowl i I would i would hope so wave one did have some really good standouts that were just solidly honestly good toys by themselves like like looking at the prowl it almost feels like they could have universal shoulders like the same way that like jetfire has got them mm-hmm. like, and they kind of work the same way uh he could have knees he could have hips it's very hard to tell from just one photo but you know there is plenty of potential there for him to be a very good figure on his own yeah uh, i mean hopefully if if they're if they're on a shelf somewhere hopefully like the connection is made to the online community soon and it'll it'll not be a trouble to get a hold of them. And also hopefully we'll see unless we've already seen it. I just didn't know it's there. We'll see coverage of them uh, to answer the questions about Prowl. But yeah, that that really caught me when when I saw that on Twitter. I was like, man, that's that's like happy news. That's like it's like it's like an even happier version of the strange positivity I felt when Star Wars Transformers resurrected for like the 15th time. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was gone. Nope. No, nope. we're back. Just another, back. another two toys. Change the card again. This is <laughs> Cyber Battalion just turns into like the red dwarf of toy lines. <laughs> I would not mind that. Like if it's just a perpetual thing that keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. Um Aaron, did you did you ever have any interest in Cyber Battalion? Not really. You're you're with me kind of just like watching other people engage yeah. with it. It's it's interesting. It's cool. Yeah. I think I I chasing down the 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 Beast Hunter deluxes back when they were new really kind of wiped me out for that whole thing. <laughs> Cuz I I think I had to import at least a couple of them. Mhm. And uh it was really neat at the time, but then I was like, man, I really really didn't need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um cool. Well, I, I've got my own uh, very brief new picture pick, kind of following up on some some talk from I think last week. Um, it's it's odd how specific this this leak image is. It is a cross sell from an instruction book, which serves entirely to tell us that the mysterious Decepticon Nitro is a Voyager class toy. 
and we get a slightly better look in this CAD sh this CAD instruction shot at the the backpack. You can see some some aerial looking stuff hanging off of his butt. So it seems likely that Nitro turns into an aircraft of some kind. If you scroll down to the thread, people are are lining up his backpack, gaddling things to uh, some of the uh, live action Decepticon spacecraft, like personal aircraft that have been used in in set pieces. Um, being a Voyager makes me happy because that means he, he's probably not a retool. So uh, the non, or at least the the really new looking new mold things in last night have caught my eye pretty well. Um, and you know when I when I found out some of the deluxes are new molds, the ways that they're different was at least interesting, if not astonishingly boring for all the work that must have gone into them. Uh, there's something in here about the style of this instruction sheet making it seem like Nitro and maybe some of those other uh, glyph decoder figures are, are from like a, an offshoot subline that might be like I don't know like you know the Target exclusive or whatever. Like we'll we'll know probably by uh, by the summer. But I'm interested to see what Nitro turns into. Um, as for you guys, like, we can talk about this. We can also talk about those other weird releases that we saw, like, you know, the Inferno Cons, Stealth Bomber Megatron with a new head. Um, how, do you, how do you guys feel about those? Like, those all look like they're from some kind of battle for the whatever subline to me. Those were just strange. Yeah. Like, like, seeing, I, like I, seeing Generations toys come back as faux movie toys was... I... I, I didn't did not anticipate that. Like it's strange enough that this new movie is starting off with a ton of repaints from the last movie line as a toy line, and then to draw from generations toys from even farther back to fill it out more. Yeah, the the stealth bomber Megatron is is the the biggest stretch I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I'm still having looked at it more, pretty pleased with that Infernicus, uh, like the Beast Hunters Abominus re retooling. Um, as much as like, that's not a super solid combiner, uh, legends combiners. I, I, the idea of them is always really fun because they still end up being small, but some, some about them just reminds me of old monstructor or stuff like that. Um, Aaron, what about you? How do you feel about nitro or these other weird Decepticon reveals? Um, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, it's it. It would be nice to see if it is truly like if it's going to be a subline or if everything is getting done like that. It's like I'm. It's again. It's one of those things we have so little knowledge, and unfortunately, it looks like many stores are holding off for the last night toys to come out rather than restocking things. So who knows? Yeah. how many lines they're really looking at but we've not seen a ton of stuff like everything they've shown off at toy shows has been titans return themed and so like i'm still just entirely unsure of what the toy planning actually looks like for the next few months i think that the, the stuff i thought we knew but the stuff they showed at toy fair mostly was that premiere collection stuff right and these new leaks look to me like they're not you know especially with one of them being rid megatron they they look like they're not premiere collection um, especially also all of them being monotone Decepticons. Like, it just really feels like what Target did with Silver Knight Optimus in the last mm -hmm. movie, where it's like, give us a thematic subline, because these movies make money. We'll we'll take a whole subline. Uh, that, that also would, I think, explain, like, the the really weird part about Abominus and Megatron getting retooled as, mm -hmm. as movie fellows. But, yeah, we'll, we'll probably know a whole lot more in the next couple months. Um, 
I think the stranger thing is that one of those limbs for Infernicus is also being repackaged as a Grimlock. Yeah, for the Legends line. <laughs> the, the Legends line for last night is going super cheapo, uh, like just occupying a price point. Because yeah. like, like the Barricade is, I think, Beast Hunter Prowl. The No, the Barricade is uh, Sideways. Si oh, okay, yeah. Well, what am I thinking of? Is 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 a Prowl Legends being used in that as well, or am I misremembering? I, I might remember. have misremembered that as as uh, as Prowl. I think you're I think you're projecting what you wish had been chosen. Most probably. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they they are reusing um, Ripper Snapper as a Grimlock, which I think is the second time they've done that. Yes, it is. Um, actually, the third time because I believe there are two different Age of Extinction Ripper Snapper Grimlocks. That poor mold, like. Uh... It's so strange out of an there's it's a part of a combiner group, but that mold is just getting abused. Like so many double ripper snapper booted abomini are in our potential future. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a whole bunch of fake words. Um, yeah, the uh, there's a few other tidbits because there is a I think was it Toy Fair Brazil is going on, and we got um, just one thing that I thought was really interesting related to the movie line is uh, more information on the size of leader megatron's jet mode apparently it rivals uh leader jetfire from revenge of the fallen's jet mode as far as being really long and big and uh, i'm into that because that megatron looks like a really fun toy uh and my favorite part about jetfire is how huge that blackbird mode is um the rest of the toy is kind of not my favorite part so if megatron has a huge jet mode like that but is also kind of fun then that's like even better so I'm uh, I'm a little bit a little bit hyped. Did you guys see those motion posters that uh, they put up on Instagram and stuff? Yeah. Uh I kind of liked that idea. I think that's a really cool way to show the robots without having to wait for teaser trailers that are going to focus on all the shaky action stuff. Like they all got to have a little character moment. Like uh like Hound winked. Mhm. Mm and Megatron deployed his friggin' helmet, which was, I thought, a nice a nice bit of mechanical juice to bite into. Um, so what you're saying is we've confirmed that they will move. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but the, in, the, in those motion posters, they're moving in a way that you can follow and clearly see what's happening. Because, you know, the camera's static. So there, there's like a bonus in there. Oh, how, how do you guys feel about Cogman? I don't think I saw Cogman's. Oh, it's pretty good. He just does a dapper butler pose, like, you know, the the hand up there on the collar kind of thing, looking all, all dapper and British. Okay. With no real face. He's got eyes, but otherwise he's got no face. And he's full of he's full of uh, cogs. Guess what? That's why he's probably called Cogman. <gasps> uh, but he, he's wow. like a he's like a clockwork robot, which I thought was really cool. So is Reedman actually full of swamp vegetation? I hope so. I hope they're not going to. Because they sh they probably and rightfully will never bring up Reedman ever again, along with Alice the Pretender. But it'd be funny if Cogman's like, yeah, my brother Reedman went off to join the Decepticons. Never heard back from him. Always wondered what happened to that that crazy guy. Um, but the <laughs> this is this might be considered a small spoiler, so skip ahead thirty seconds if you don't want to hear it. Well, probably a minute. Apparently, according to his bio with the with the the motion poster cogman's role is he is uh anthony hopkins's butler so he's hmm. like he's like anthony hopkins's butler robot so he might be like some kind of ancient cybertronian something or other 
And I think the most thing I actually took away from any of those posters is that Hot Rod knows how to do a spin rooney Yeah. Like, and Bumblebee just doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, look, look, this fifth time, I know I'm here. Just, yeah. He's like, I'm not even the kid appeal robot anymore. The humans don't even talk to me, but I still can't talk, which is BS. Whatever. They're paying me. Camaro, go buy one. I don't know like i I feel, I feel like it's it's a cool idea but mm. at the same time so, some of it just felt off like a hot rod kicking around like that just for the sake of kicking around like i don't get anything of hot rod out of that he's a break dancer well i i admittedly always have a problem with the movies doing that with the robots because they're gigantic you know presumably you know you know 10 ton minimum robots yeah. stomping around moving around like that like a break dancer or something always took me out of like the sense of size that i'm supposed to have for them well the, so the, the way i explain it is that just means like man those are some hardcore like that's a hard bodied muscled robot like his muscles are friggin he can just like wing his, his weight around like that that dude's got to be pretty darn strong the problem with the way they present it in the films is often it just makes the robots look weightless uh, it it, it yeah. does because like I remember in the first one where Ratchet does like some spinning flip over uh, brawl, yeah, just to get one hack in with his axe, and it's like at least let me hear a thud when he lands. At least when you hear thud, you're ten pa- you're ten tons kicking off of dirt and cement. Can you leave a crater, a crack, something when you take off? Yeah, some some show of power and weight. Yeah. Yeah, that, that to me has often been missing from the the movies when they get into the heavy action, and especially when robots start getting chopped up, is the weight disappears, which makes everyone look like they're made out of metallic silly putty. And it, it, like even in the last movie when Lockdown got bisected, which is, I thought was pretty darn cool because that fits my narrative, it his body kind of shredded apart in a way that, not as bad as Dark of the Moon, which is still the worst of the bunch for that stuff, but he still kind of lost a lot of weight when he shredded apart. And it's just a weird thing about the way that the the films direct the robots is they they often start to float and get very light and hollow. But we'll have plenty more movie to talk about when that movie's out, which is sooner than I thought. Did you know that I actually was taken by surprise that Power Rangers is already out? Yeah, today? uh, Yesterday. Yesterday. Well, yesterday was the Hollywood premiere or the midnight opening. Yeah, the, uh, the the official opening date I thought was was yesterday too, like uh, midnight screenings. But yeah. uh, people people have the the general public has seen it now, and I I saw everyone you know going to the big premiere, and I was like, oh, it must be premiering soon, and it's like, no, it's premiering tomorrow, idiot. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, but yeah, like like last night is is kind of it's gonna sneak up on me, I think. Um. I'm okay with that. I also have this weird bit of hope because it sounds like Power Rangers uh, has, is at least better than your average Transformers movie. Uh, and it, it resembles the aesthetic a lot as far as the way of delivering a, a nostalgia-driven summer flick. Gives me this tiny bit of hope along with one of those last trailers that like maybe last night might might not be embarrassing to watch. Uh-huh. You know, if it helps you sleep at night. okay. like you saw the trailer, right? With the like, there's there are a bunch of human children who are saying things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that's already kind of an improvement. 
directed by Michael Bay. Yeah, but not written by Aaron Kruger. We haven't... Okay, you know the... Oh God, I'm trying not to go into spoiler territory here. You know the things we know are going to be in that movie. I we, do. You know we have not seen half of just the lunacy that they had already revealed for this movie. No, there's mm-hmm. going to gonna be kooky stuff. I'm just like, like the way I put it always is I, I got this feeling like this movie might not have like awkward boner talk. You know, like it might be silly, might be kind of cringe inducing, but I got a feeling like it's not going to be like weirdly horny about stuff. With a kid cast, I should hope not. Well, that's the thing, right? Right. I should hope not. So like, if the most if the most like wince inducing line is the one we heard in the trailer with Marky Mark just dropping a like, like, hey, J-Lo. What is it? He could like little J-Lo. Like, if that's the Mm -hmm. worst thing he says, you know, that's I'll take that. Yeah. If that's going to be the new low bar, that's higher than the last low bar. So maybe we're we're moving somewhere. Yeah. You know, let's RoboCop 3 this thing. It it does beat the I'm not actually a pedophile card. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> if we can get away from robots peeing, having testicles, and then having a bunch of human characters, like, really at strange length arguing that their relationship is legal, like, we're going upwards. You know? Upwards and onwards. And then someone who's not a Transformers fan hears that part and just, like, sighs and shakes their head and walks away. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it for the movie talk. Let's do some listener questions. Uh, got, uh, three different listeners questions lined up. The first one has multiples. It's from Snoopy Magnus. This hello to the podcast in the podcast world. I have a few questions I'd like to throw your way. Number one, with all the talk over the years of transformations being too simple or way too complicated, what do you think is a good sweet spot for transformations as far as steps are concerned? What is overkill and what is way too easy? We all know that a Legends figure cannot be 30 steps, just like we all know that a Masterpiece cannot and never should be a five-step figure. So what do you think is a good balance? Uh... I want to, he, like, he's not here, so there's, this, there's only a certain level I want to argue this. I'd argue that numerical steps of transformation is not actually a good measurement of difficulty of transformation. Because yeah. I, I think I would a, second that statement. Yeah, I, third. Like, I think a Masterpiece toy could be five steps if toy engineering advances far enough that all I'm doing is folding the legs down, folding the torso down, and pulling the arms out. But if the it's toy. Like is, half gravity bot, half automorph. Yeah. Yeah, the, the toy like itself is just doing things cool to stuff. engage. Yeah, but, I mean, have you seen have you seen Masterpiece Grimlock? He's not that far off. He, he, Masterpiece Grimlock, I would love to see a second go at because that first one does a lot right, except for the 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 weird torso wide gimmick makes transforming it like more tricky than I feel it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, like stuff like um, and this is I'm not saying five steps literally, but like. You know, you look at your uh, Masterpiece Ironhide being one of my favorite examples where like because of very specific geometry, something that could be a lot harder to do is easy for the user to engage with. Even though a lot of really cool stuff is happening, um, you're not having to manually tweak all of it to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't I don't want to like spend too long on that because, you know, Snoopy Magnus is literally not actually in this call. So we're just shouting at one listener. And if it's not about helicopters, then like we don't want to spend too long on that. But you know, not necessarily focusing on steps of transformation. Like, what do you guys think is a good sweet spot for just like the experience? It again, though, he kind of hits both ends. It's all going to depend on what is the toy. Yeah, you know, if it's something that's a Legends figure or something small, that 
for me at least that becomes something more like a desk toy or a fiddle toy and something simple is more the the line if i'm paying 150 dollars for a masterpiece i want something that's interesting and intricate because that's going to make it worth it yeah so it's 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 a big old depends and it's probably like more expensive more complex or more more interesting maybe not complex yeah yeah interesting to me is the big thing because like if a figure is pretty small you know or, or shouldn't be that complicated i want to be able to do it quickly and also think that i saw a bunch of cool stuff happen and then feel satisfied when i get to the end and not have to spend too long tweaking little things i have a similar thing about larger more complex figures but with them it's like uh and this is a third party example, but like the uh, Mastermind Creations Kultur, their version of Tarn um, and, and their version of Impactor and and uh, and oh, what's his name? Turmoil. Um, those those two designs, I think, ca- capture what I really love in a, in a more expensive figure where the transformation is not hyper complicated and it's pretty quick for the price point. But it is just a series of really cool things happening and the figure's design has kind of edited out all the stuff that I'd be bored doing in between the cool moments um, by having them be part of the cool moments. You know, so like instead of having to manually twist a bicep or something, it's all lined up. So all I'm doing is like arm out, shoulder in, tread down, twist fist, arm is done. But the arm has also changed shape and position a whole lot. Um, so that that's kind of where I find the sweet spot is if if all I have to do are the fun steps and I think cool stuff is happening, then regardless of the size or price point, you know, um, th- then I'm satisfied, you know? So I guess in the context of what kind of figure it is, as long as I don't feel like I'm having to trudge to get to the next cool moment, then I'm, that's where my sweet spot is. I hate trudging, you know, like on, uh, on some, on some of the original alternators, I, I would call those, figures yeah. that have a lot of trudging yeah yeah you know, like, just you, you gotta slug through this through the like 18 steps that turns the back seat into a foot or it's like you know you're gonna get to the cool part where the back seat turns into a foot but you've got to first just quite just align all these things so you can move it down without bumping into parts and now you can move it that was cool okay now you gotta tweak all these things to get to the part where the arms come out you know like mm-hmm. i just i like it when i can just go from cool moment to cool moment yeah for me i think it's more it, for me, it always feel it's what feels right for the toy itself. Because mm. there's figures where, like, when you look at, like, Revenge of the Fallen Optimus Prime, that is a really complex toy. But to get two accurate modes out of it, I acknowledge that's what had to be done. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I know people won't agree with this, but to me, that toy is made up of a lot of cool moments. Uh, Like, it, it, it keeps me, it has trudging in it, but I think it has a good rhythm. Because, like, the first, the, what is it, the first chunk of that transformation is making the whole bottom layer turn into the feet, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's pretty friggin' cool. Like, that's a way to keep my attention right away. Mm-hmm. I know. There's times where I feel like, there's times where I feel like engineers got too interested in what they were doing and trying to create something clever. I feel like when they're trying to create something dynamic and they don't know when to stop is when it gets too far for me. And that's where you get to your like RID sideburns and revenge of the fallen mud flaps. Mm. Or like, mix master I think is, is the bigger so mix master. Would be thinking big if too. you could do it, you didn't think if it was right to actually do it pretty much. 
Or if you if they have you do a whole lot of things and it doesn't feel like you finished, like to me that's Mixmaster. When you have all the the cement mixer, like the the, the drum splitting into all those shards, mm -hmm. but then they never really end up anywhere. And I'm kind of like, come on, like I'm okay if if you're gonna make me split this thing up in like 15 different ball jointed shards, but if I'm not putting them anywhere other than on the arms, then I'm like, I'm like well, come on, guys. Like I need, I need that point A to point B satisfaction, you know, and I think that is a hallmark of a lot of less effective, complicated toys. Um, like on a more recent one, which is quite beloved, uh, Masterpiece Inferno has this bit where the front wheel wells just sort of tilt down a bit because the mm -hmm. animation model. And mm -hmm. I always feel like whenever I do that step, I'm like, I don't really feel like I did that for any reason, except that there's a moving part. Right. But it is a very wide, very wide topic for a lot of people. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a hard one to discuss sometimes because, uh, you know, just because it's in the question, you know, there are different metrics people use in a very kind of black and white way to describe transformations. And I like, you know, I think that you two guys both agree, like, it really depends on the piece. Like, you got to set the context first. And then in separate contexts, of course, there are tons of rather black and white uh, points you can you can you can make on something, but like, you know, you see something where it's like this thing has like the designer of this toy is making a masterpiece alike, and they want it to almost literally mass shift from the cartoon vehicle model to the cartoon robot model, and then you know the complaint is like, wow, this is a very complicated figure, and it's like, I agree with you, but I don't know if I can even call that a complaint because yeah. there there was no simple way to do this that I'm aware of yet. And like mm -hmm. whoever come whoever comes up with a simple way to pull off the magic mass shift visual is is going to make lots of money, but in the meantime, it's like well yeah if there's if there's five steps just to make the shin go down from the thigh because the shin also has to invert its physical shape. I don't like it, but I at least understand where it's coming from. <laughs> That's why I don't usually pick up those kind of products because I'm like I'm not I'm not super interested in having to go through that myself as much as I respect the design work. Um, that was only one question from the set of questions. Uh, question number two: What do you think are some of your biggest regrets of a purchase, or regrets of a non-purchase of a Transformers figure? What did you buy that you knew you paid way too much for, uh, just because you could not wait for a better deal, uh, or you just had to get that figure early? And what did you not buy, thinking I'll come back next week, uh, or I'll hold out for sales, but then by the time you went back, it was gone. Uh, Snoopy Magnus's own was sitting on the fence for Masterpiece Skywarp when he was a Walmart exclusive, uh, and his local store had clearanced them out for 20 bucks, and he never picked one up. Still kicking himself about that one. I would be kicking myself for that, too. I was so... In the moment, I was so mad when all those Masterpiece Seekers were on sale all over the place except where I lived. But, mm -hmm. you know, then I also never had to think about it, <laughs> I guess. Like, you know, the responsibility was taken away from me. Um, Aaron, have you got, a, have you got some regrets? Um, one kind of one that springs to mind is like four or five years ago, um, my Toys R Us pulled out a wave or must have found in the back, uh, a box or two of, it would be, uh, like Fusors. Mm. And so like super after the fact, and I was just like, for whatever reason, I was like, huh, that's neat. And then, like, a couple days later, was like, wait a second. 
what am I doing? And went back and there were like, I think it was just the Barracuda one was the only one that was left. And I was like, ah, I really should have like just bought one of each because what the heck case fresh fusors. Why not? Yeah. Oh man, that would kind of kill me. Cause like, you know, every now and then you see old toys on right. shelves, but usually it's like one or two years old or two. Right. Or That's years. like right now my uh, target has not seen any, titans return leaders because they have still four skywarps leader skywarp sitting there and it's the same product code so they're not ordering anymore how screwed up is it going to be when that leader skywarp becomes valuable man i'm gonna put a knife in my hand i'm not yeah like (laughs) when you see a row of 20 of them nowadays it's not common for toys to become rare anymore Mm -hmm. but still you always feel like that's gonna be the one that's gonna be the really stupid one that i feel dumb about later Right. <laughs> well, there there was somebody at work the other day that was asking me, like, hey, can you make money from, like, your hobby? And I was like, theoretically, but it'd have to be, like, knowing what's going to have bad distribution or end up uh, in, you know, featured in a cartoon or comic book in three years to know what to get right now. And for every one of those, you're going to have 15 or 20 that are no good. You'd have to have the capital to take risks on basically predicting the future. Right. Uh, and, and in a small niche as well. Like, yeah. like, you, you know, it would only make even the most tiny bit of sense if you were buying, like, everything. If you were if you were, yeah. if you were engaging in that mindset for everything. Like, just with Transformers, like, it's just it is illogical how things will become valuable like uh and, and it, usually it's stuff that you just don't know until after the fact like mm-hmm. generations metroplex has become kind of valuable because it turns out they didn't make a whole lot of them because they didn't know if the titans thing is even going to work mm-hmm. yeah that, that like, doesn't apply to four max <laughs> like right. my favorite my favorite example was classic starscream it's yeah. like it was yeah. 10 it was 10 bucks when it was hanging on the peg at every store around the second they weren't making any more and all the nostalgia audience was going oh wait like the old one i had as a kid i want one now it's 50 bucks on ebay for one yeah like, and, and that was just you you had no idea that a common toy would do that and there are ways you can kind of predict it now but like even then the the most of the time if a toy becomes valuable it becomes valuable in the sense of it was 10 bucks and now it's 50 yeah mm-hmm. so if you bought a ton of them Maybe that's worth something. If you bought like two extra star screams, oh look at that! You waited five years to make forty dollars a piece. Yeah, you know, like it's yeah. it's not investment material. That's what I I was trying to say. Like if you could find the right deals on stuff that's clearanced out and then hold on to it for a while, or because then it it came around to talking about Lego and not necessarily Transformers, and there's potentially more. Mm chance for that but then it's still going to be something where you're going to have to be investing a pretty penny and then again sitting on it for two or three years in order for the demand to come around on it yeah, you need mm-hmm. the space too and and then it comes oh, to God, if space. you're yeah and then it comes to hey if you've got money like that to sit around and speculatively invest in toys you'd probably be better off just taking that and like thrown it into an account into like a money market account or uh it, it you know. might yeah. it might be easier 
to just become a stock market baron. It probably right. would. <laughs> At least with a stock market, there's you could actually research and actually figure out, okay, well, this has potential future. This might take off, et cetera, et cetera. When, when it comes to toys, you're almost right. that The only way to really know that you're going to have that random lucky figure that becomes super valuable one day is to have just about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's like that's like putting all your poker chips on every let's that's putting all your chips on every number in a game of roulette. Yeah. Right. You know, it's going to come up your number, but you went you spent a lot of money just for that number to come up. And then if right. you want any kind of major returns, you've got to buy on mass and multiple of the thing right. that is become that become valuable. So like if you had like a hookup where you could get like liquidation cases before they go to like winners and marshals and stuff and you had a warehouse then like maybe yeah but at that point are you not just a store right so like then, then it becomes a question of like well i can then have a storefront in order to do this and then, yeah it's like now, now, now that i've got a storefront shop. i'll be a little bit easier off to like get a hold of hasbro to get these cases and then like why should i wait for the clearance cases why don't i pick up the you know the fresh cases and then you're running a web store mm-hmm. yeah um, so I, I, that's, that's the thing that I feel like is so important for, for long time collectors now who have been through or not been through, but have seen the, the, the span of time that is the toy collecting scene <clears throat> is to just talk people out of this idea. And that's why I'm so frustrated that still when major media covers toy collecting, it often boils down to, to valuation and investment. Yeah. Cause it's like, like, like at Toronto comic-con, the one toy collecting panel they had on the schedule was, uh, it had eBay's name attached to it, and it was about how toy collecting, you can start at any age to to follow your passion. But I was like, eBay, gross. eBay is like behind this one. And, and so like, is the thrush of this panel just going to be like how to buy it? Like, are you going to talk about it like it's the stock market? Because I, I hate that. Uh, that is the worst reason to collect toys, uh, especially now. Once upon a time, maybe that had a small bit of sense. But like when... Toy collecting is boiled down to this like plus minus monetary thing. You should go into the stock market. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, or something, something else, something with science behind it. And, and I mean, I'll I'll accept there might be an argument that there is a science for for this with toys, but like, I I've never seen enough proof that it's that it involves you know no. more than a whole lot of luck. No, if you lived through the '90s comic book boom, you know what kind of speculation collectibles leads to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like my dad got my dad bought like that's that the the Superman comes back to life issue and the when the white wrapper for 15 bucks. That thing is worth precisely today 15 bucks. Yeah. So it held value? <laughs> it held value. Well, no, it went, they it made went from like being 3 million of them. Yeah. It, what what year did that come out? Like sometime in the 90s? Yeah. So it went from being 15 US 90s dollars to 15 I guess, 27. I guess that's yeah, true. so it actually yeah. lost value. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if inflation wasn't a thing, then it held value. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, don't... And anyone listening to this podcast already knows this, I'm sure. But, you know, if you have friends out there who start going, like, maybe I'm going to invest in Lego because I heard about the crime ring that was, like, paying in black market Lego. Like, don't. Because that's not, that's not real life. That's that's that was the the one in a million th- time when that made sense. And mm-hmm. it turned out it was a crime ring. So... Right. You have nothing. You have you have no chance. Just get what you think is fun. That that goes into a different line of conversation. But uh, 
we were talking about regrets and then, and then we stopped <laughs> immediately uh tj did you even talk about regret no purchases? <laughs> we didn't yeah. get to that okay regret purchase a 15 dollars <laughs> superman comic in the 90s no <laughs> It turns out that it just proved that inflation's a thing, and I lost. I thought I was going to go to college <laughs> with it. Nope. Um, no, toy-wise, um, I'm in a weird position because all my regrets, all the stuff that I got, God, I wish I hadn't spent the money on that, I turn into really goofy toy videos on YouTube, and I don't regret them anymore. But um, two names come to mind really easily, Swerve and Tailgate. Mm-hmm. If I remember, if if that's the wave I'm thinking of, like those two were the ones that everyone thought were canceled, and everyone rushed to grab them on eBay as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And good lord, the price on those! Yeah, yeah, um, I think it was them. It was from that era of generations. Legends. Yeah, like I can't remember if like there was a report that these weren't coming out. I or think it was if... Tailgate and Cosmos. So Tailgate and Cosmos. God, I, I, I can't. Maybe it was. I wanted. I know Tailgate was one of them. This this ends basically with it doesn't matter anymore. But it yeah, doesn't was, matter anymore. Like, there, but, there was a wave that looked like it was going to get uh, short shrift. Yeah, so I think I think a lot of retailers canceled the pre-orders on it. And no, no, we just got. And we found out later after everyone spent that money that no, we just delayed the release. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was but, it was this weird like I think it was like a one to three month gap where they were just scarce everywhere. But then all the ones that weren't sold in the warehouse shipped out from the warehouse and suddenly they were everywhere. Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, I remember we talked about this back when that happened. All kind of coming back. Um, what about uh, what about do you have any regretful misses? The nice thing about this collection thing is that either through financial, either through financial sacrifice or commitment, you can generally find everything you missed eventually. Like last time I was on here, it was, you know, me talking about Hanke Dinobot that I finally got my hands on after skipping a thousand times. Yeah. Um, I don't know about near. I don't know about misses so much these days. Um, like. The only one that comes to mind is I missed out on the second release of uh, Masterpiece Rodimus because mm-hmm. that w- that was the one I want the wanted with the trailer that didn't have parts on it that would break on their own. Yeah, like that that was like that was a big deal for me. Um, yeah, I never got a hold of that, and it's uh, that one. I I think that one kind of tended to linger in stores. So I don't expect that one to get reissued anytime soon. Yeah, but that I mean, was like the, these regrets don't have to be like still regrets. Like they could have gone away by now. Well, there's regrets, and then there's just man, I wish I gotten that, but hey, I don't lose sleep over it. Yeah, because like my two my two regret regrettable misses are both ones I'm kind of over, but like it still kind of kind of bummed me out. One of them it took me a while to get over, but it was back at Bakano three when there were all those Korean Brave Maximuses for ninety nine dollars. And I thought, well, those are everywhere. I'll just come. I'll get one next BotCon, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then Brave Maximus, it turns out, did not stay at ninety nine dollars for another year. He went up and up and up and up. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other one is more recent. And I don't even know if he's that hard to get anymore. But there was this period where, you know, the FJ Cruiser Optimus. Yeah. Um, with the different like shells of or colored shells, of car panel you can put on him. I skipped him a whole bunch because I was like, ah, that's too pricey. Ah, that's too pricey. And then, like, there was this period where he just became more rare and expensive, and then I was like, maybe I should have got him when he was 
too pricey because now he's double too pricey. I don't know if that toy's become more common again or not. I never really looked into it because I, I guess I kind of got over it. Um, <clears throat> but when when that that was one of those times where I was like, I'm sure this will get cheaper, and it didn't. Or I'm sure I can get them later, and then I, it turns out I couldn't. Um, as for regret purchases, this is from 07 when I in, in 2007 was the period of my life where I had the most money and the least amount of cents, most probably. Um, I probably have less cents now, but I also have less money than I had in 07. And in 07, when the new movie line was out, and my hype was super high, and it really bugged me that um, Swindle, Deluxe Swindle with the mono eye, was out in some places, but I couldn't find him, and I had all the other movie toys, I paid a stupid amount to get one off of eBay. Uh, it wasn't like, it wasn't like stolen Chinese toys money. It was the, this toy is kind of hard to get. Someone found one and just threw it on eBay for a dumb price. And at the time I was like, well, that's the only deluxe I don't have. So I bought them. It was something like 25, 30 bucks for deluxe swindle from the 07 movie line. And I had the toy and immediately went like, I got a feeling like this was a bad decision. And then that toy became a very common shelf warmer. It also wasn't very good. And I, I felt pretty dumb. Uh... Those are my immediate quick answers. Uh, moving on to Snoopy Magnus's third question. It says, I don't keep up with too much social media. I don't have Facebook, Twitter, and other social accounts, so I'm out of certain loops. I was just wondering if you'd give me and others who I know don't have those social media ports as well an update or a heads up on friends of the podcast and how or what they're up to these days. That being Gog Dog, Drew, Lupus, and the Pre-Order 66 group. Thanks a lot for your time and keep on keeping on. So I'll throw out what they I know. They all died. Yeah, we, we uh, had to eat them, actually, after the plane crash. It was really it was a shame. They were actually all talking about you behind your back because they know you're not on Twitter to catch them. Specifically you. Like, I'm sorry uh -huh. to have to break this to you, Snoopy <laughs> Magnus. Um, they're, they're all, I still see them all around here and there. Not necessarily all on one social thing. But, like, Gog, Gog is around on Twitter. Uh, Drew pops up on Twitter now. And then he actually hit me up to say, uh, hey, I am attacking your base in Earth Wars. And then, hey, your base kicked my ass in Earth Wars. What the hell? Uh, Lupus, um, I, I catch on Facebook now and then. I forgot what Lupus is up to very specifically. Um, well, last, last I checked, he's, you know, working night shifts as a nurse now. Yeah, because mm -hmm. he finished school, but then, uh, his job became, yeah, like, you know, night shift work and, and very heavy. Um, the Predator 66 group are still around. They're just, like, they're not podcasting, uh, which, which, which is weird, because that's, you know, that's, that's what I assume their life was entirely about. But they, they, they are still around, they, you know, uh, still, still, Krasis is still spending too much money on Star Wars. Uh, they're all buying their high-end toys. I don't know if Gerodimus still likes statues or not. But, uh, yeah, they're, that's the thing, is like, a major majority of them are just all still on my Twitter circle, so they, they have never really disappeared for me. But as far as I know, that's what they're up to. I'm not going to tell you to go get a Twitter account. But I guess I'm telling you to go get, go get a Twitter account. Yeah, and it's, message it's, them. it's and, super cheap, as in costs nothing. So mm -hmm. yeah, because I, I I don't I don't keep up on on people enough to really give like personal updates on them outside, like especially to the point where I don't I don't want to like share their entire life uh, unless they've been cool with it or have mm -hmm. mentioned it before themselves. But they're all still they're all still fine and dandy, all doing their thing. Except for Pre-Order 66, they're not doing their thing because they're not making a podcast. So I don't really know what the hell they think they're doing. Um, Dan recently, Krasis was on my timeline because uh, his wife made fresh donuts. And oh, yeah. I didn't need to see that because I was really hungry that night. 
And I was like, whatever, I'm over it. I'll have a sandwich. And then I'm making my sandwich and I see these pictures of freshly made fried donuts. And I'm like, well, you're trolling me now, you, you jerk. Go make a podcast. I've never actually made donuts. You have to, like, use yeast and stuff, right? No. If, if you're... Uh... You, I mean, you can make yeast donuts, but they're also just like you could do like a just general yeah. fried donut, and I don't think that there's any yeast to that. How do you get the air pockets and stuff inside? Fried, <laughs> like hot. I, I do think you need to make dough like you normally make dough, which, which that would involve yeast. Yes, I don't just bury the donut box in the garden outside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, that's that's what I think most everyone is up to um right now a lot of actually some of the pre 66 guys and gog are all getting into their their macross toys because uh, there's there's fresh valks dropping as they say lots of them new veritech fighters with robo technology so that's that's what i've been seeing from them the most of uh of late but uh, thank you for your question snoopy magnus we've also got a question from kevin sig it says, in recent media, starting with IDW and kind of sort of at the end of Transformers Prime, Megatron has been leaving the villain role, his last two toys being given optional Autobot symbols. The upcoming movie seems to suggest that Optimus might become a reluctant villain, and while I don't follow it, um, but what I know of All Hail Optimus, it seems that present comic Optimus's motives are in an ambiguous light. Now, that being said, how would you feel about Optimus ending up as the evil Decepticon leader and Megatron becoming the Autobot leader full-time? How do you think this theoretical change might play out in the comics, movies, cartoon, read, or even pretend it happened in your favorite continuity? Cheers! Um, I think that this is something that's way more likely to happen in the comics in, in a way that would be of, of length. Um, I think that culturally it is impossible for it to happen in the movie even even though the movies are hinting at it culturally i think it's impossible for it to happen on the frontline transformers media uh it doesn't help that also like megatron's and optimus prime's names just are they're designed as as kind of schlocky 80s toy commercial hero and villain names right um I would be fine, like, I say all this, I would be fine with it, because I think that if there's one thing Transformers is kind of bound by, it's this nostalgically driven status quo, which I'm actually super happy that Rid was able to at least partially break out of, um, like, the current Rid cartoon, but uh, I'm not against it in any way, like, I'm enjoying it a lot in the comics, I think the reasons in the comics have been great, um, even though, like, they they continuity-wise get a little bit fast and loose, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's more interesting than, you know, like I've always said, Megatron up until his appearances in More Than Meets the Eye, his personality was often just whatever the plot needed. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and so even though it's it's hard to look at some of the older Megatron writing, knowing that he becomes what he is now, if you kind of mush it a little bit and put some fuzz on it, it's it's at least more interesting. I know. Keeping up with the comics, it's fascinating what they are doing with those two characters because you're looking at a megatron who is reminded of why he started the rebellion in the first place and you you see him trying to atone for that in some way like and you know regretful for what it became when it was supposed to be so much better mm-hmm. and then you know you see optimus prime now who may or may not be a little bit twisted He's not twisted, but he, I mean, I don't think he's like, he's like going crazy or anything, but he's, he's definitely running on the classic road to hell paved with good intentions kind of path. It's, 
Well, the interesting thing to me is he is starting the path that Megatron started down. Me, you know, you know, the ends justify the means. Yeah. Okay. If I have to murder to get my to to get my way, basically, that's what has to be done. You know, it's it's very rare we see an Optimus that is willing to go that far because even though this is a war, the Autobots are always traditionally depicted as someone who would rather win the day and defeat their opponent and drive them back rather than just go full on murder spree. And this is Which, also like a post-war Optimus yeah. in, in, in many senses. Like I, I really, I said it before, I love that this is all on the back of the effect of him merging with Prowl physically uh, in Optimus Maximus. Right. Because um, A, I'm glad if there are any repercussions from that Combiner Wars mini. And and also B, it, it's just, it's a great, it's a great excuse um to play with the character a bit more like it's almost like it's the missing link for megatron's character turn because megatron's character turn is on the back of bumblebee getting shot and the problem with that is i never bought into the idea that that would affect him that much right (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah. that's the thing i really had to fuzz over where i'm like in a better written dark cybertron i'm sure this would have caused his character turn (laughs) uh but Dark Cybertron was, you know, the first crossover. It was weak in a lot of ways. Um, I don't really have any theories on, like, how a character change like this could play out in other media. Other than, like, obviously the live-action movies have... You ever heard the t- the term layup? You ever heard the phrase a layup? That's mm-hmm. basketball, yes. Where someone, someone, like, hands you something on a silver platter? That's what the movies have been doing for ten years is setting all all it takes is being cleared to do so they they have set up for years a perfect scenario for optimus to go bad and not megatron to go good but megatron to become the the bad that's on our side uh it's ever since dark of the moon basically it's it's been perfectly set up for all this um and i actually said this to someone on twitter though if they actually do it like, you're never going to convince me this was really a long game that they're playing. Like, if it ever actually happens, it is taking advantage of a situation. Right. You, I I would I would never believe you if you told me that these last few movies have been written with that in mind. <laughs> like, that's all happy coincidence. And that's quote-unquote happy. A lot of people aren't happy about it. <laughs> but I don't know. Aaron, how do you feel about, about the idea of that character swing happening just in general? And, like, do you, do you see any so way for it I to play don't... out? I don't mind it in in general in the comics, and unfortunately, I've not been able to get the comic shop for a while, so I'm a little bit behind for for where IDW is right now with the whole um, uh, uh, change of position. But mm-hmm. it's a thing that I don't think would work for movies because the necessary uh, investment is probably a little bit too much. Because while I would assume that everybody that goes to see this now movie five, six to whatever is, has seen the previous movies and knows that like, Hey, Optimus Prime's a good guy and Megatron's the bad guy. It would be kind of hard to set that up still to a certain extent as itself to be like, Hey, no, this good guy, he's the really, really good guy. And this bad guy who he's crazy bad. And in the course of two hours, not only have them, switch positions but then have it seem like it's a meaningful switch Mm. not just like 
oh, by the end, the good guy's doing something that's kind of bad and the bad guy stops him. So he must be good then. Um, whereas with something like a TV show or comic books, you're expected to have more investment and you've got a longer time frame to to build that up and make that change. Yeah. And I. This is this is again, this is this is the tiniest of hopes, so I don't think this is actually going to play out. But some of the stuff I've heard about the Power Rangers film that just came out, if it if it causes the ripple effect that, you know, the Transformers films caused in, in summer blockbusters, it makes me hopeful for for long games to be able to play out. Because like they, they they basically said recently that I forgot where this came from. It came from some source that was solid enough to be reported that they're going into these Power Rangers films with the idea of making six of them. And going in from the start with the idea that it's going to be a, a, a serialized six-part feature film experience. And so if that actually gets gets traction and Transformers movies keep happening, I could see them seeding more things in. Or if they, you know, do the spinoff movies with the writer's room stuff, seeding serialized ideas across films in a way that maybe it wouldn't, it wouldn't lead to an Optimus Prime heel turn necessarily. Right. But at least like it wouldn't be out of the question for there to be long games in the Transformers films. Whereas up until now, anything that references a previous film feels like something that was that was thought up, you know, on the day is the way I would put it. Mm-hmm. It was thought up for the script of the of the new film. It wasn't considered when the previous film was made. Like the whole thing of you know the way that Megatron comes back in in movie four. I don't think anyone had that uh, that in mind with movie three's ending. You know that like, well, what if Megatron secretly was still alive and had psychic insecticons in his brain? Mm-hmm. You know, like <laughs> I don't think that Aaron Kruger, for his involvement in Dark of the Moon, was thinking of that when he wrote or you know wrote his part of Dark of the Moon. But I would like it if the if if the landscape could change a bit. I, I would, in fact, like it if the big twist of last night is that it's the last time we see Optimus Prime. Yeah. And it's a thing that I think that we'd be better, like, more potential would be to have Bumblebee take the lead or Hot Rod show up and then take the lead or something else like that. Having it evolve from one character to another, not to have the character do the, the heel turn. Yeah. The only heel turn that works in Transformers for me is Optimus Prime. Anyone else doing it's going to feel forced. Or Starscream, kind of? Well, he can't, because Sam Witwicky killed him. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the current crop has so many just, like, kill-crazed Autobots. Well, that's the thing. I could see Crosshairs as a Decepticon. No, no, that's the thing, right? The the remaining Autobots, they might be bad people, but they're, they're a bad people crew in this way where I just don't see them... They are they are nasty Autobots, but they've gone past the point where I think they might end up turning evil. They're just really awful people. But I, I don't know. <laughs> something about them. They're awful in a specific way where I just don't see them as potential villains. They're just terrible heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, hope that answered some of your question, Kevin Sig. Uh, and yeah, those of you out there, if you're not keeping up with the comics, like I... I think Revolution went way better than it had any right to go. And the comics at IDW right now are in a pretty cool place. Um, You know, not the best they've ever been, but I'm really enjoying them still. Uh, And I'm also enjoying that we've got one more listener question from Prime135. 
says, hello, evangelists and denizens of the podcast kingdom. As someone who was rather young when the first Transformers live action movie came out back in 07, the last few years have been rather rough as I've watched what was once a beloved, at least to me and some of my friends, part of the franchise degrade into infamy. My question is this, in your esteemed opinion, is there anything Transformers 5 could do to save the film saga from the dark path that it seems to be set upon? What could they do in future films to turn, uh, or what, what could they do in future films should TF5 turn out to be equally as saddening as Age of Extinction? And do you think it would be a good idea to simply reboot the franchise in its entirety? Yes, I realize there's more than one question, but all three of them kind of have the same theme and touch upon more or less the same topic. Sorry for the long post and Chuck Norris roundhouse click. So the main thing is, do you think that the Transformers movie franchise is redeemable? Um, and oddly enough, I think we've already touched on that a little bit here and there. I think it is now that we no longer have any connection to the old writing team. There's more of a, a hope. I don't think it's likely, but I think it is possible. Uh, and I think things we've talked about are things that Transformers 5 even could do to go in a better direction. Like if the movie stops having this awkward horny boner that it constantly wants to talk about uh, in, a, yeah. in, in a really like depressingly teenage way, that would already be a huge step. Um, this movie's going to have children as characters. That's oddly a huge step <laughs> that it took 10 years to get to. Uh, so th those things alone, I think give me the smallest bits of hope directorially. We're still stuck, but I don't know. Aaron, like, do you think there's a way out? Um, I think it just like maybe has to take itself seriously. Finally, you know, I, I, mean, I think if, if we're going to do that, then we also need to reboot. Well, I don't think, I think that you can take the line that it's gone and you can still be serious and silly. You can still be serious and like some of this other, uh, other stuff, but yeah, get rid of the, the, for lack of a better term, juvenile humor of it, or at least like rein it in and aim it better than just, just make, like make it less legitimately uncomfortable right. for a chunk of the audience, and and maybe get into deep thoughts about certain things. You know, okay, Optimus Prime's coming back, and he's always been the good guy, and now all of a sudden he's the bad guy. Maybe. So, is there a reason for that, or was it just like? Uh, I don't know if we made um, Optimus Prime weird and evil. I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. You know, if instead it's like, no, he went out and found out that something serious is going on, and now this is why he's come back. You know, have have a real reason for it, not just like, yeah, I don't know. Let's flip the script. I think serious reasons, though, so often end up going worse than like embracing something a little hammy, but like genuine. Mm -hmm. So like. I don't know. It's like it's like, you know, we, we've got Fast and the Furious 8 coming up soon. And I've not kept up with that series super well. But, you know, it, the trailers showed the whole crux of the fate of the Furious is that Dom has turned bad somehow. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what I think would thematically fit in with that universe really well is if Dom is like a cyborg duplicate that was created by the, the cybercrime villain or whatever. And real Dom is at the end of the movie <laughs> and you know something like that. Like the, at least because th those seem like the kind of films that would embrace that kind of ridiculous thing and do them with this big grin going like, we don't have to tell you why it works. We're just going to say it works. Right. Um, whereas like if, 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 you know, Transformers five, I think it's going to try to be very self-serious about Optimus Prime's status. And I think it's going to be for the worse because like the, the way, the way that that, that, that would work, I think it, more effectively if, if they just go like, Optimus Prime 
got picked up by like you know if, if the theory is is what's true let's say he's picked up by unicron and unicron made him bad and uh and he just tapped into the nastiness that optimus prime always had and turned that into all of them and at the end of the film the only way optimus can get out is to you know tear his own heart out and eat it and then we also can move on from having optimus in all the films like i don't know it's got if it if it wants to to tell me it's intelligent there's such a higher chance of it failing especially as like a high budget multi-producer action flick uh mm-hmm. I, that's why i think like if we're going to get into more serious storytelling maybe not like you know a universe reboot but definitely a cast reboot would be necessary um or that would be the place of a spin-off film where we don't have the baggage of the current crop of autobots cuz you can't tell a serious story with them it's impossible they're they're all the only serious story to tell is based on the back of the fact that they are all terrible people and like I don't think there's any, I don't think you can do it. <laughs> you know, like I think the closest you can come is maybe some of what we've seen in the trailers with a mixture of new Autobots and like the Dinobots who have escaped being terrible people because they had no speaking lines. <sighs> so those guys are still a blank slate, you know? <laughs> uh, I don't know. TJ, what do you think could redeem uh, the live action films in the greater picture that we're talking about? Yeah. There's a there's a lot to do here. I think with I think if the writing is good enough, you can pull anything out. You know, like with a, when it comes to the Transformers movies, there's certain elements I'm really tired of. I'm tired of every human, you know, being against all Transformers. Like yeah, we need to we need to deal like I like the idea of the post Chicago world. Yeah. But I'm tired of literally every human being fr- afraid of them. I, every human uh-huh. and every transformer with no shades of gray or weak or you know hey look they wear a big purple face they wear a big red face maybe there's a difference between them and right. you, know, you know some of these some of the some of the last night trailer stuff from that last trailer makes me a little hopeful in that regard um like the, the whole the whole thing with canopy and the baby dinobots as silly as those are as the baby dinobots are as a visual it's like, look, there are children who are not terrified of the robots, even though they're in post-Chicago world. Well, it's, right. It's, well, yeah, well, it's the kid cast. I think the kids, in any sense, are more understanding. Because the big thing that's going to be, the, the big thing about those kids in the, in this movie, and remember how long the movies have been going on, you could write it so that they have always lived in a Transformer world. Yeah, yeah. They've just known them their whole lives. Yeah, and and you'd get rid of the. This is a thing not in Transformers at least, but in in uh, it's a, it's a better example in the Harry Potter movies. When I watched through those, like literally every movie, at some point Harry Potter is staring in in prolonged amazement at something magical happening, and by the time you get to like movie five or six, I'm like, dude can't possibly be astounded by any of this anymore. It's like a building is opening up to reveal a hidden building inside. And he's like, whoa. And I'm like, dude, you go to magic wizard school. You, <laughs> you fly around playing sports on a golden broom. Like, I don't, I do not believe that you're astounded by any of this anymore. So with, <laughs> with the Transformers films, especially with them keeping the, the numbering scheme, I'm like, eventually you got to stop having people being in awe of the Transformers. Well, like that, that that's true. Yeah, but... and, and like and like you said with, you know, I mean, because at one point in time, the Transformers worked with the government. Yeah, surely, yeah. surely somebody else along that line was like, you know, hey, there is a difference. We're not all 
like yeah, psychopathic like, killers. How about you not be all psychopathic killer at us? To, to be fair, the last time they did work with them, one of the Autobots went psychopathic killer and killed other Autobots. Right. Yeah, but then again, it also can roll back to like, hey, you know what? Everybody's different. And turns out we're just giant robot people, too. So there's elements of that in the trailers that we're seeing. Yeah. Which is right. But it's it's like (gasps) they're like that. Not. Yeah. Just the general realization that like, what do you mean? They're living beings. There's just that last the last trailer we got for this movie that was so kid focused and, and character character focused on, you know, like silly stuff like Dinobots being goofy and eating police cruisers and like. It's all setting it's all setting me up for fall, you know, when we get to the movie and there's just like these horrific like, so how old are you, little girl? Like, this, mm-hmm. you know, that scene's going to happen when I'm getting this hopeful. But like so many like weird little elements are, are as far as as far as uh, the snippets we're getting are just lining up with all these little corrections that I would like to see in those movies, like having characters capable of innocence, for instance, mm-hmm. and and. I, I was so happy when the military element was basically removed in the fourth movie. Yeah, like that—that's the part that bugs me. It's like, well, we're, we're, we got that back, apparently. Well, do we though, or are they like some weird like? Well, Josh Duhamel's back in it. I know, but he doesn't. Like, have, he, he doesn't. If he, is, I'm, I'm gonna consider him not military if he shows up going like, yeah, I'm a merc now. Like that. At least as long as they're not literally tied to a government body. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Like. That's what made the third movie so frigging uncomfortable in that opening scene where it's like, yeah, the Autobots are literally (laughs) fighting America's enemies abroad. And I'm like, that seems like something that would be pretty awful in the real world. I'm just tired of seeing heroes dragged down. You know, IDW is doing it at the same time right now, and it's getting on my nerves, too. Just Mm -hmm. I'm I'm tired of I'm tired of like my heroes. These should be heroes. Just, just getting reviled by everybody around them at all times. It's disheartening. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that I always, I always find myself having to say to you know more casual or outside of the fandom fans about the live action movies. We're like, I can't believe they did that to Optimus, and I'm like, you, you gotta just look at that as an Optimus Prime, and not mm-hmm. the Optimus Prime. Because, I mean, I, I love live action movie Optimus, but I would, I've always said it, I would never tell someone he's the hero of those movies. Uh. Or that he is heroic in like by at this point that he is heroic in more than the most fleeting ways. Uh, and every way that he's heroic is tied directly to how he's also gone completely misguided and and is a straight up dangerous individual to be around. Uh, so that's, that's that's part of why I'm kind of I'm really hoping that maybe this movie they're just going to off him and then, you know, try doing what Rid did where. You know, Rid eventually brought Optimus back, but they went for a good solid season with him being mostly in the background as like, you know, a Jedi ghost. Anyway, I think those are all feasible. I think we've said some feasible ways to fix those live action films. And I am I am genuinely with a whole lot of. how How do I put this? I've reeled my expectations back in a ton when I say this. But I have these little hopes that maybe Transformers 5 is going to be, like, at least more more genuinely fun than pseudo-ironically fun. It's just going to break you again. 
Yeah, it's all going to go wrong. It's going to be like when I was yeah. like, there's going to be a Russian robot because they're going to Russia in that whatever movie that was where they went to, to Chernobyl. Was that movie mm-hmm. three? I don't even remember. I don't I can't even remember. <laughs> I can't, go, can't tell them apart anymore. Can, can I say again, when people say that Age of Extinction is the worst one yet, they're so wrong. No, no. They're so wrong. Ball swinging. Like, Ball swinging. Yeah. Movies mm-hmm. two and three are the low, the lowest points. By like the number of people who defend Dark of the Moon over movie four, I'm like I I don't agree with you. No, I, I I'm not gonna say you're wrong, but I don't agree with you. No, it's it's my firm belief that anyone who says that well they just keep getting worse have blocked Revenge of the Fallen from their memories. Yeah, and listen, Dark of the Moon is a boring ass movie. Like <laughs> it has cool bits. With you know how I was talking about with transformations before, like having a lot of a lot of trudging between the cool parts. Dark of the Moon has just straight up long ass trudging all over the place. Every time I see that thing again, I always forget just how long it takes to get to the parts I remember. Uh, Age of Extinction is just all the characters are are worse people, but at least they're more solidly delivered. Man, like I know that's probably the difference because Age of Extinction. The only way that it's a better movie is if you also accept that the Autobots are bad people. And I, that doesn't seem to work for everybody, but nonetheless, ah. I also don't think that the first movie holds up all that well either, but that's just me. I know that that's not common. <laughs> so everyone always says, they say they keep getting worse, and the first one was the best one. And I'm like, the first one was not the best one. The first one was The Experiment. And I don't think it aged very well. Uh, but that's our listener question section. So thank you all for sending those in. So you're going to walk right past his PS? Oh! <laughs> I forgot about the PS. That's the whole reason I picked this question this week. Yeah, I, I figured as much. <laughs> well, Aaron, why don't you read the PS? All right. His, uh, his postscript says, I realize this is entirely off topic but is there any advice Aaron would be willing to give an aspiring young mechanical engineering student with an interest in mythical flying machines? Um, man. So you're an Emmy and you're interested in aero stuff. Um, take as much aerodynamics courses as, as you can. Uh, if you're at a university that does actually offer an aeronautical engineering degree, um, see if you can do a change degree over into that. Um, unfortunately I've taken the long, hard road of not having the bachelor's degree. So, uh, it's a whole lot more legwork. Um, so like, make sure you actually go to your classes. It's a dumb thing to say, but sometimes it needs said. Oh no, I, I wish I could have told that to myself many years ago. Um, yeah. Cause you're like, oh, I can miss one class. And it's like, ah, I can skip today. Now, you, know, you know what that is? I can skip one class. Do you know how fast it turns into? I can skip every class that isn't an exam. Right. And even if you're not an idiot, I don't consider, I'm not the smartest. I would say I'm straight up dumb every now mm-hmm. and then. Uh, I don't consider myself a, a blithering idiot, but when it comes to post-secondary attendance, the right. speed at which you can become a blithering idiot without even realizing you're doing it is frightening. Right. And especially if like through high school, I had it pretty easy. I a lot of high school came pretty simply to me and then I just got locked up when it came to college because it didn't come as simply to me. So, you know, how how common that 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 is hearing, you know, that very specific phrasing? Right. I think there's something really screwed up. 
right. in, in the whatever it is that they do to transition you from high school to post-secondary. I feel like there is something critically missing from that entire thing whenever mm-hmm. I look back on it. Because I'm like, how? because that's how I felt. And the number of times I hear other people say, yeah, I did well in high school and then dropped out of my first degree. It's like, you know, you don't hear that specifically right. as commonly. But still, like the number of people who say that doing well in high school didn't mean jack nothing and sometimes even made it worse moving mm-hmm. into the post-secondary world. I'm like, I just feel like something is missing, you know? <laughs> there's some bridging point that right. surely by now could have been put together. Well, it's, in it's like there's so much that's trying to get you through high school. So maybe it's like a lowest common denominator. Wow, this is all that we need to get people through high school. So that's all that we're going to focus on. Oh, you're really good. Okay, good job. Uh, we really need to work here. And then that pushes the perceived curve far in a direction that then never comes back. Mm-hmm. And the people that can do well, but um, that's just general life stuff. Yeah. For for wanting to get into um, into Arrow. I would say, you know, find uh, an engineering firm. You know, thankfully, I work for a company that's a key contractor for Sikorsky Engineering. So there are quite a few people that go from my company, get the exposure to Sikorsky, and then become Sikorsky employees. Um, Boeing does similar practices. Airbus does similar practices. So... Yeah, take the swing for the big for the for the name that you see on the side of the aircraft or on the side of 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 a rocket. Uh but don't be, you know, don't be distraught if that's not the first hit. I know somebody that's that's bounced around a couple of places that's now potentially looking at SpaceX but has come at it through like they were working for a material supplier for SpaceX for aluminum components or something and worked that line for a while and now has taken the contacts and is going that way. So it's really going to depend on like where you are with the cycle of things and knowing that, especially with the way that the world works now, it's not even necessarily your first or second job. That's going to be your, what you do. It may be a little bit and man, don't be afraid to branch out. Um, you know, especially with stuff like engineering, you'd be amazed at the number of times that knowledge that I've acquired from other places, uh, from like the civil world and, you know, knowing the way that GPS stuff works so that when we're looking at designing a, a GPS mount for something, I can say like, no, you don't want to do that. Well, why not? I'm like, well, okay. As an aeronautical thing, it's not a bad idea but you're putting a whole lot of other shapes around this GPS antenna that's going to cause a whole bunch of crazy noise. If you do it like this instead, it'll work better. That nobody else there would have the idea that like that could be an issue because nobody had dealt with that. So don't be afraid to be broad in your in your engineering experiences because it more and more is about being able to learn and knowing when to go learn and in- instead of just like, ah, I know this, I covered it in a class. That should be the tipping point to know like where I need to go look for things. Yeah. And in, in that field, like I assume like many fields, there's never really like a plateau, right? No. Like you got, you got to go in with the mindset that you never know everything. 
Right. And, that and that's always been the best engineers that I've known in in civil engineering and mechanical engineering and in aero are not the engineers that are like, this is how you do it. Yeah. Those are generally the jerk bags that are, that they're, they're jerks. I mean, I, I don't really have a better form for it. The, the four or five faces that are coming to me very rapidly of the engineers that have made statements like that. No, this is the way that you do it without, without reservation have been the ones that you're just like, man, I came to you with a question or a concern and you just said no instead of saying no because or you know what i didn't think about that let's take a look at it and then come to find out no they were right but it was a legitimate concern but this other thing took care of it before it comes to this point or yeah hey good catch on that you know we'll yeah. we'll make these changes so always be like prepared to stand up for your your statements and you know always be looking for the kind of mentor people because engineering has a whole lot of mentoring in it still of like the guy that's going to sit down and say like okay hey you want to do arrow these are the three books you need to get and you need to learn them and you need to to like take these things straight to heart because this is the core of design for the last 20 years and whatever you do, don't dig too deep on helicopters, at least until you've become like fully a part of that community. Because if you get too deep before it's your time, they might just erase you. Yeah. There's no proof of that ever happening. Absolutely no proof because they're so good at doing it. Hey, you're right. It's just it's so tempting to just keep like making up more things. Right. That just support it. But you got to remember some people are. People don't realize that you're just making up those things that you're saying. Man, I would be a great cult leader. What's to say you aren't already? Hey, you know, hey, this is okay. You know that thing they say where it's like the best whatever at a thing doesn't think they're very good at it. Mm -hmm. Maybe because I don't think I'm very good at being a cult leader. I'm actually in charge of a cult and good at it. That finishes our listener questions section. So let's get into some what we got this week. Uh, I don't actually have any new Transformers uh, this week because I didn't I didn't go out and look yet, but they are appearing. Aaron, did you get any new Transformers this week? I got a six pack of robot heads. Ah, geez. There's six heads that I already had, but with a whole lot better paint. Oh, right, 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 right. The uh, the Tokyo Toy Show or whatever. Yeah, the Headmaster set. Yeah. Uh, uh, LGEX. I like that set a lot. I haven't I haven't gotten my hands on mine yet. Mm -hmm. but uh i i jumped on that thing because I, I love everything about it yep is it does, the, it, it, look good? It, it does uh they're all uh the the same uh heads as a lot of the american headmasters but with much better paint applications for the the headmaster robot guys and a little bit better for the uh the robots um i had a question about the brawn head because the the head mode on that brawn, I don't know if I like it more than the American head mode. Even though I like the, the little robot looks categorically better, but I'm yeah, I'm not I, sure. I'm not sure about the, the faceplates. I'm not sure about the 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 blue. Yeah. On it, but like I'm really tempted to switch the faceplate from the American one onto that body. Yeah, it could be done. 
just a tiny screw. Yep. But you gotta get yourself a JIS screwdriver. Get in there. Get in there deep. Yeah. But no, that's it for me and robots this week. All right. Do you, do you have any plans for those little headmasters, or did you not just go in on them? I, I, I just jumped at it. Yeah. I. Of, of the long term things that need done is including getting space, and I think that I will potentially have space to have a bunch of headmasters on like vehicle modes and the like. And I then, mean, and then it will be a great place to have all of them hanging out. If you if you have lots of Titan Masters, another great place to put them would be uh, the Twin Cities, Fort Max, and Trypticon. Mm-hmm. Just uh, offering some good advice for you. Yep. Uh, TJ, did you get any Transformers <laughs> this week? Uh, I did get a couple. All right. Uh, I have Titans Return Brawn, and not the Headmaster one. God, that is more confusing than you'd think it would be. It is. All right. Well, how is Legends Brawn? <laughs> Legends Brawn. Not the Legends that was before. Not the other one. No. Not the, the new, other yeah, Legends the... Brawn. The new Legends Brawn. Titan Return. But not the actual Titan Master Titan Return. The Legends one. Brawn with Leg the Titan Master compatible cockpit in the vehicle mode. <laughs> yeah. Is that toy any good? Please tell me that toy is good. Um, he's simple for what he is, but he is good and solid. Okay, because like, I I ended up not really liking Bumblebee. Oh, he's not, he's not a Bumblebee. Yay! Like, like transformation wise, he is really simple as a figure, hmm. but it's all built to. But like the contrast between like Wheelie and Bumblebee are trying to create a cockpit around a whole bunch of robot panels and things. Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. Brawn is just this solid brick in the center with robot mode parts sticking onto it. And so can, the can can but, you open the cockpit easily in, in vehicle mode cuz that that was actually my biggest problem with Bumblebee at the end of the day was you had to undo the bumper. Um easily enough. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fold up panel like the others. Because with, with Bumblebee, you had to like untab the bumper from the shoulders and then flip the whole thing open. Mm -hmm. But no, like he is just just the cockpit and then the transformer built around it. So the vehicle mode is extremely solid. Like Yay. You're not, yeah, it's not like a whole bunch of panels flying open just if you push the wrong thing in the wrong way. Um. But yeah, he just comes off very simple. Is the only is the only thing about him. So he just it's a very basic transformation to him. But for a guy like Braun, that's almost to his benefit. Oh yeah, I mean he, you know stocky robot turns into square vehicle. Yeah, there's one touch I really like. He has one little bit of panel forming, whereas the top the top rear of the vehicle mode comes off as a shield piece. Yeah. Uh, but that's also where his spare tire is. So what you can do is you pop that off, flip it around and plug it on top. And not only does it put the tire, the spare tire where his uh, where it was in his G1 toy, it also gives him like a light bar on top. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. And they're still molding underneath that section. So it still looks correct. Oh, I'm excited to find that figure now. I was just so bummed out by how Bumblebee turned out. Not even like a the bad bad terrible figure it's just he's just there 
Yeah, he was he was he was in no way the small little things I wanted him to be. But it sounds like Braun is pretty solid. Yeah, Braun works. Braun works really well. I like I like how we're getting so many of these legends or the old minibots in these legend scales. It mm. it feels better than just the little $5 figures we used to get. Oh yeah, and if, and when when they're really hitting it, like those are solid little pieces. Um, oh yeah, like for how hard it is to keep his ro his vehicle mode all in, in the right place. Like I really like how that wheelie turned out design wise, and that that sea spray coming up is is hitting it for me too. Mm -hmm. I'm actually now getting bummed out by the the guys who came out during Combiner Wars, because <laughs> like you know half of them are retools, and it's like I would have loved to see more of those mini bots done with Titan Masters in mind. Because it, it adds this sense of volume to them, despite them being so small. Right. Oh, but uh, other than him, I finally got my hands on a warrior bisque. Welcome to the club. How it, does he? There's a part in him that commonly has trouble tabbing on. Have you got? Yep. Okay. Yeah. As long as it's everybody, I feel yeah, better I, about I, it. I, yeah, I already threw up a review, and it's like, <laughs> no, mine does. Like half the comments are like, my thing, mine does the same thing. Yeah, it's not even I found at least on mine. It's not so terrible because it's like, no, it'll hold. Just don't bump it. Uh, no, no, you don't look not. at it. You don't breathe near it. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, don't feed it after midnight. Don't get it wet. I wouldn't mind bisque breeding like that's a fun toy. It is like I love the design of the vehicle mode just in general. Yeah. And the robot mode has so much character to it. Not only the zany face. Which is even weird to handle because it's it's all soft plastic, so like all these little eye stalks and antennas are all squishy, which is weird, mm -hmm. just texturally. Um, just like the big claw hands, the like the the idea that you have to hunch him over just so he stands with his face forward. Yeah, that alone just gives him so much more personality. Do you think you're down for Thermidor when he comes out? if they fix the tab in thing i might be because he's like all of that and he's also a pirate yeah that's a fun <laughs> that's a fun part <laughs> yeah that that is a darn good toy uh yeah like it, it never came out in any of my usual circles or any of the places i normally check so it's just been a while mm -hmm. just an it was an incidental order at toysrus.com that like oh he is there huh Sure, why not? He's got he's got cool guns too. Like you, you don't even need to give them to him. He's just got a pair of neat five millimeter peg machine yeah. gun things. I actually like them in the vehicle mode better than I do the robot mode because there's something yeah. weird about them just kind of sticking up over the crab claws. But I also but in the vehicle mode they're like James Bond flip up guns. I really wish there was at least one more option place to put them because it's kind of like there there are the spots that they go into. But that's it. And I'm like, oh, if there was like just peg holes somewhere on his back, like it'd just be kind of cool if they could, you know, fill in some space somewhere. Yeah. I, I kind of like it where they are. Like, mm. I, I prefer it. I prefer it to like pegging into the side, which I never like the look of. Yeah. Or yeah. pegging into like the top of the roof. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like the fender mounted thing is, is, is a cool spot. Mm. No, uh, transformer wise, that's about all I got. All right, um, Aaron. Any any off-topic stuff from you this week? So last weekend was Brick World in Indianapolis. Oh, oh no, you're poor. 
Yeah. Oh. Um, so I had been waiting for that, uh, for actually for the uh, double rewards points to come up. And then it did, but it wasn't going to be the timing so that I could do it at the Lego store. So separate from that, I got the, and I always forget the name of it, the newest modular set, the um, um, Assembly Square. Assembly Square. Yes. And I've, and I've built that one, and that was most of Luke Cage um, wow. for for the time frame that it took to build. So over 4,000 pieces, just over 4,000 pieces. It's a base plate and a half wide. Um, and a whole lot of interesting builds inside of it, including a baby minifig, uh, the girl that lives upstairs, she's a Lego collector and you build like a Lego person sized train display. Wow. So, uh, it uses roller skates for the trains. (laughs) Um, so I got that. Um, that's built. I got a, at the store, I got, uh, the Y wing set and I've built that, built that one. And then I also got the, um, um, agent Colson versus Detroit steel mostly so I could get an agent Colson minifigure. Who is Detroit steel? Cause I saw that thing and I was Detroit like, Detroit steel is like, uh, in the comic books is like a hammer industries, um, it was like Armored an Iron Man guy. counterpoint. Yeah, he he's like an Iron Man knockoff from Hammer Tech, and for a while it was somebody. It, it's it's one of those like good guy bad guys that bounces back and forth. Because that that seemed like a deep cut reference, which is cool, and simultaneously it seemed like this is how we'll have a mech suit and Agent Coulson in Lego. So it just seemed like a like a win win when I saw it on a shelf. Yeah, um, but it comes comes with. Uh, um uh Lola as well his his flying car so um it, it's it's a fun set so far i still have to build the like detroit steel big mecca part mm. um and then i also got at brick world i got the um research institute idea set which is the lot older set that was like the three uh women in science um Oh like yeah, yeah. Little display things. I love that set. I have that too. Um, which I I totally missed it. The lay I had tried to buy it at the Lego store, um, and it wasn't there. That was uh, about the same gone. time as the exosuit, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and then actually, so <laughs> when I was there, so I took a couple of coworkers, one of which had been to some conventions before, and and one that had never been to any sort of convention. And um, took them to their first Lego show, and they had this one place had two exosuits for like forty bucks each, and I was like, "Ooh, they've got the." And I was like, "Okay, guys, I you're they're out of their Lego Dark Age. They've built a few Lego sets and brought them into work and and showed them off, and I felt proud because they're growing up." But um, you're helping was like, hey, I'm going to tell you guys, this is a great set, and this is an incredible price. If you guys don't buy both of these sets, I'm going to end up buying at least one of them, and I already have this set. They're like, oh, really? Wow, why? And then I show them, like, no, look at this. Look at all the, like, the Greeble build that's done on this stuff, all of these other crazy build techniques, stuff's being built in ways that it's not normally supposed to be. This is a really interesting set. If you guys are interested in interesting builds, 
man, this is it. And uh, so got so got to bring a couple more people into the uh, the fun of of going to conventions and doing that. So they were like, "When's the next one of these?" And it's like, "Well, it's up in Chicago in a, in uh, a while," and that's like a big, big one. So, um, and then I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. I've been yeah. playing that some over on on Origin. On Origin, yeah. As we all cringe at Origin, like uh, I don't like opening software to play other software, you know, except for Steam. Yeah, we had yeah we had this conversation Steam's, earlier. Because Steam's nice. Well, well Steam, I've got two hundred games on. <laughs> like I've got I got one on Origin. I try to remind myself that once upon a time, all my games were different executables. Right. But there's the thing about Origin is just it's because it's EA and it's like this is a publisher owned thing and I, Valve is a publisher but like they are not a hundred percent of the stuff on Steam like they're they're probably right like a barely a very small percentage now and so there's something about it where I just I feel more like I'm protected on Steam whereas I feel like Origin might just one day close up and go like yeah well you enjoyed the games when you bought them and that'll be that. At least with Steam, like I, I've heard it's been said, they're like, if we ever shutter Steam, we're going to make it so that you can keep the games you've bought to the best mm-hmm. of our ability. And I don't have that trust yet with Origin. Right. Yeah, it's like, because I, I know the EA or uh, or um, Valve has talked before that part of like, at least in the beginning with Steam, the idea was like, hey, if this thing just goes belly up, there are like uh, um, there's things in play that would allow them to flip a switch. And now all the games you own no longer have to check back in to make sure that they're good. Yeah. So it's, it's something that's like, uh, all right, that, that at least makes you feel like they've got, they've got your interests in mind versus something like EA who, you know, you could very well see them be like, I don't know, we don't want to support Origin anymore, so all that money you spent, it's gone, out the window, whatever. I'm not saying ha EA Ha suckers, are, we got you money. I'm not saying EA is a big evil corporation. I'm just saying EA is a big evil corporation. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not saying Valve isn't a big evil corporation. <laughs> I'm just saying that they're more endearingly strange. Yeah. Uh... How's so? How far into Andromeda are you? Uh, I am. How much have you played? Have you? Are, are you playing? Okay. So, so don't, don't tell me nothing. I'm, I'm through like the. I'd say I'm into the beginning of where everything opens up. Okay. I did so the there's like the the first combat stuff that happens that's the like act one and why you go from being like uh eh, whatever to like the important guy that stuff happens and then there's like the first planet that you have to make viable and i'm through that and i'm making the mistake of anytime someone's like hey pathfinder do you have a moment i'm like oh hey okay and go over and talk i'm like no crap two more missions ah okay fine it's bioware game let's keep going and uh and keep rolling like that and so now i have a whole bunch of stuff in my 
in my uh, ongoing missions that I'm trying to go and like jump at here and there to at least knock them off. But then it comes back around. Oh, hey, thanks for delivering that. While you're at it, can you do that? Oh, okay, fine. My, my get, all, plan... get all of these easy experience points so that all of a sudden doing all of these fetch quests mean that I can use more grenades because sure my, my current plan with that game if it follows the usual pattern is i want to wait till a majority of the dlc is out and then play it with as much of that integrated as possible if they mm-hmm. are following that pattern right and the thing is so they've kind of they've set up a couple of pretty easy paths for more dlc um so the the story of andromeda is it how was i trying to explain it at work it simultaneously takes place between Mass Effect 2 and 3 and 600 years after. Right. So, uh, for the listeners, it's these arcs have been sent out to the Andromeda Galaxy between the events of Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3. And you wake up 600 years later in this new galaxy and shenanigans happen. Um, so, one of the things that they've said is, like, each species has its own arc. And they've said, like, in the first little bit... You're like, oh, the Corian arc got delayed from its send-off because of reasons trying to integrate words. So it's easy enough to be like, okay, well, the the Turians, the Krogans, the Solarians are going to be the arcs that we deal with in the base game. And then Corian DLC... I'm down for that. I'm down yeah. for it, it's just if If it plays like the last two Mass Effects played... I'm going to like it more if yeah. I wait till most of the DLC is out. Because um, at, at the end of the day, I, I actually, you know, enjoyed Mass Effect 3 as its final form. Right. Where all the DLC was there. Uh, and, I, and I'm not going to tell people they should go back and replay the game with all the DLC if they went in early. It just it taught me, don't go in early if I don't feel like I need to. Right. Uh, and so right now, I'm, you know, I've got, a, I've got enough Hitman to keep me satisfied for a bit. Yeah. Uh... Aaron, you got in on the Hitman yet? Nope. Oh, you gotta get on the Hitman. I know, and it's I gotta get on the Breath of, of the Wild, and I gotta get on, like, seven or eight other things. Hitman is a world of assassination. Those other things aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else on your end? Uh, I think that's it for me. All right. Uh, TJ, what about you, off-topic-wise? What have you been doing? Mm, let's see. Less stuff that's not really notable um like when i got bisque it was because i was going after uh the amiibos for breath of the wild no it's that's an easy thing to get suckered into well you're you're never gonna get off that hook like they got it sunk right in the gills man uh man like i thought i was out i sold a bunch of my smash amiibos and like i don't miss these at all Mm -hmm. because i I genuinely don't care about the Fire Emblem cast, that kind of thing. Cool. But then it's like, but then it's like oh, hey, uh, you scan in these Zelda amiibos into this game, and you can, like, get the costumes from those characters. I'm like, uh... Fine. Fine. Yeah, now, now that they're in collectible toy territory, they're gonna find a way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um... See, uh, beyond that, a lot of Glyo scheming. I got the I got the original Sarvos now, which makes me happy. Woo! Because that was like seven attempts before I finally managed to get one. 
Is it the um, uh, the boxed one or? Oh no, this the, oh no, he was bef- he was after the boxes. Oh okay okay, I no, always forget like... who was in the boxes. Because the boxes was it was like two Excelluses and like four Fadens, right? Um, it was three and four. Right, right. Yeah, them I've had, but no, he came later. Um, no, the only real notable thing is I tweeted this out. But I will tweet for reference. So. I got these weird ass little transforming bots from the 80s called Mysterians. For those unaware, because not many would be aware, this was a this was a little toy company trying to capitalize on the transforming robot boom of the mid 80s with these very weird, like very basic shaped things. Like one of them is just a straight up cube who looks like a like a cargo container. And the the other one, the other one looks like either a an esoteric coffin, or like God, I don't even know how to describe it. Like like a keyhole shape, like as as it was rendered on like a PlayStation One. So you, they turn into geometric shapes. Yeah, something like that. You know, mm. but they unfold in these very very basic style of robots you know like the yellow cube is major repair and he's this little repair bot that little you know these little long black like grasper arms and like a hidden panel for all these different tools that he can clip out and hold on to whereas uh the other one is the other one i'm talking about is air commander who for lack of better term aside from just being this like really strangely shaped bot for some reason has a head that deploys from his crotch well why wouldn't you because <laughs> like i i don't know i don't know why wouldn't you aside from that's just strange it's supposed to be a little radar drone but it totally just looks like another head and yeah, i don't that's his, that's his interrogation face <laughs> interrogation face from his groin yeah it pops out when he's means business of anything much more intimidating okay fair point yeah i would if, like, if ah! a dude's, oh god if a dude's crotch exploded into a second face and yelled questions at me i would answer them to the best of my ability <laughs> okay okay i get that i get that uh here's the, like here was the thing um I used to play with these things when I was a little kid in my great grandmother's house. Like she had a box of toys that for any of the grandkids to play with when everyone came to visit. And I don't know why these stuck in my memory as well as they did. Mm -hmm. Like I remember the little yellow bot with these weird angles in his robot mode and all the little in the chest that came down. I remember this weird gray bot with a, for some reason, a second head somewhere in his groinal region. I couldn't have been older than five the last time I saw these. But it's just been haunting me ever since then. And it was only like a month ago I even learned what the toy line's name was. Yeah. Hmm. It's an extremely weird hit to my nostalgia to see them here again. So I'm so used to I'm so used to just like my childhood grew up with me. You know, rather than growing out of something and then kind of longing for my childhood, like a lot of, like a lot of the nostalgia market is, it just 
never quite left. It just kind of, ch I just kind of changed the way that it was part of my life. So to have something like this, where I finally get that feeling, like why someone goes in, like, oh, this is the, you know, like, I haven't seen a Starscream since I was a little kid. It's like, it's, it's the first time I've actually had that feeling of, you know, like this was my childhood and it's back now and it's, it's satisfying. Like nostalgic discovery. Yeah. That's cool. I never had that with figures. No, I kind of kind of had that with figures when I found out the thing that I could never identify as a kid was a, was a GoBot. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the Dread Launchers, I think they were called. But yeah, for me, that, that always happens with, with cartoons and TV shows. For some reason, that never happens to me with toys, which is weird because that's more so where my actual passion is. Mm -hmm. But that's awesome. But yeah, that was about as uh, exciting as my off-topic week got. Well, I only got one off-topic thing, and it's one of those like bad decisions that you know still ended up being pretty good. It's just it was a really dumb decision, as you uh, do. I I follow a lot of people who buy Macross toys. Uh huh. And uh, usually I see them yelling about how the pre-orders are terrible and they can never get anything. So many, many months ago, a pre-order went up for a Macross toy, and I thought it looked really friggin' cool. And I had just heard that the first figure in the Macross Delta series was really well done. So I was like, you know what? I'm awake. I'm going to pre-order this. Many months later, I, I kind of half forgot. And then I was like, oh, wait, I did pre-order that. And then it came out. But I really like it. Uh, I'm not... People have been talking about how, like, oh, they're, I hope they do the whole squadron. And I'm like, I don't want to buy five of these. But I really like the one I got. I'll send you guys a link to a photo review. This is the, the SV262HS Draken 3 which is apparently based on a real-life aircraft called a Draken. That's all I know. Um, but it's a single it's a single booster fighter jet, which is not common in Macross. And one of the reasons I was drawn to it is that robot mode with the Anubis head I think looks badass. Especially when I found out that that Anubis head is the nose cone transformed into a head. Uh, I also like the color scheme a lot, and I love the, the regal look to the thing. I've actually not watched Macross Delta, um, I've already thought of ways to very specifically get all the names wrong on this for when I review it, because uh, I want to give the Macross fans who watch my stuff the same experience I give to Gundam fans who watch my stuff. But uh, the way this thing transforms was the other big draw, because it does not transform in that tried and tested Macross way. Uh, like, it has a single booster, so already it's got to break some norms. So, like, you know, there's a lot of leg on this thing, but, like, the sides of the jet basically are the legs, and then the arms turn into a block that rotates 90 degrees and makes up the central core where the, the tail yeah. fin is attached. And that's friggin' cool. Um, the thing about this figure that's been going around is that it is immensely hard and, and complicated and scary to transform. It is certainly weird to transform, but when I got it, Wotafa had put up his, his video, uh, Wotaku fan on YouTube. He goes through transformations in a, in a really methodical way. I watched his video instead of using the instructions. I, I went, Bandai put up an instructional video that uh, it has helpful things, but it was actually oddly very unhelpful in very critical spots because it was shot terribly. Yeah. Like the video was shot at a distance and possibly in portrait mode and then flipped and cropped and blown up to be in landscape. 
uh it's 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 a really bad video except for the parts where they tell you how to or how to to collapse the fists so the thumbs don't break off when you go back to fighter jet mode so i just watched wotafa's video because also wotafa is the was the only video at the time that didn't have music playing over the transformation so you could actually hear the toy which to me is very important in an instructional video because that way you know what noises are normal you know right um is this click 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 normal or is that three of the four pins that hold this thing together shearing yeah, exactly. You know, and then like seeing Wotafa do it, it's like it helps you feel more confident with the with the more weird parts, like rotating the legs down. Anyway, long story short, I'm very much in the minority on this. I don't think this toy is actually very hard to transform. Uh, it is just very esoteric and you need to see someone else do it first. Um, but once you have, I don't think it's all that hard. Uh, there are some tricky parts that take me a, a while sometimes, and, and that's, I think, a fault of the design where, like, when you turn him into a bateroid, a, a bipedal battleoid, um, there's a little hook that folds out of the bottom of the back of the backpack-ish part. Mm -hmm. uh, that hook only folds out if you've slid a piece up, and then that hook does not have more resistance than the sliding part, so... If you don't hold the thing together in its slid form, it'll unslide and re-suck the, the hook back into the backpack. So hmm. that's kind of annoying. And there are parts I wish clipped together better. The feet, when they become a single thruster, the feet themselves don't actually clip together. So it's extremely hard to not have a gap running up the middle of the single thruster. Um, there's also... It's, a yeah, it's for vectored thrusts. That's the thing. That's right. It's vectored thrust. Aaron told me. Uh... There's also other little things like there's not very much diecast on 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 what is literally a DX Chogokin release, uh, and I think that the feet should have been diecast. I really think at least, uh, if not not the entire feet, the insides of the feet, like the inside of that of that single booster, should have been diecast in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I really like this figure despite its faults. It's so fun to transform and it's so unique. Uh, in, in how it transforms and how it goes from one form to the other. I really enjoy it, despite the fact that his... Because he's got these much larger sculpted hands he can swap on once he's transformed. But I like the idea of perfect transformation. The transforming hands are much smaller. I don't think they look bad for being smaller, but they're incapable of holding the gun. Despite there being like a notched uh, tab connection thing built in, they suck at holding the gun. I'm going to try to fix it by thickening the the tab part on the inside of the palm, but okay. it's so awful at holding the gun. And then all you got to do is swap in the grippy hand, which are slightly rubberized, and then you just shove the gun into them and they hold it so well that like, I as much as I don't want to use the non-transforming hands, it's it's just very tempting. But yeah, I, I I did one of those Macross things, and it, it went really well. And I'm I'm I've, I've been transforming this thing back and forth constantly for three days now, uh, and just really enjoying the process. So that's my off-topic. What I got, uh, Aaron. You know aeronautics. Mm -hmm. Um. So what what's some of the terminology I could be using to describe? Like, what's that central block where the tail fin goes? The body. Yeah. Of the aircraft. The the central body. Is, yeah. is what the arms turn into. I'm, I'm trying to pull all these yeah. terms together. I, so I, I was can... going through your list, and it I, actually what I found interesting that I I didn't think was going to be done the way that it was was I thought that it was going to be like top and a bottom instead of like forward and and aft. Yeah. For how the arms sit there. Well, the the bottom on the very back, the what the left arm uh, like 
extends and panel explodes a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it is both the the top of the back end and the bottom of the back end. Okay. So yeah, going through this massive photo page uh, for the 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 Draken, which is uh, the Draken was I think a Saab aircraft um, that was a big uh, like Delta lifting wing. So this could kind of be in a design lineage to to the original. This is the um, stuff I wanted to hear. Yeah, design. Uh, it, it didn't. It didn't have the big like crazy wing tips that uh, the toy does here. But um, yeah, yeah. It's I, don't, a, I, don't, I don't know. Name a thing, and I'll tell you if I know the name for it or make up something that sounds near. Well, I've I've always heard like dorsal fin. What part of this would be a dorsal? F- the the fin. dorsal fin would be the 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 fin that's on the dorsal side. What's the what's the what's the dorsal <laughs> side? The, the dorsal side's the, the the top. All right. Well, what what would be a deltoid fin? A, a deltoid fin would be a fin off of the deltoid of your arm. So, let's see. I guess he doesn't have any deltoid fins on no. his actual arm. I was wondering if maybe there was a fin attached to a deltoid somewhere where a deltoid resides in the jet mode. He really wants to use the word deltoid. Yeah. Now, it's a delta shape, if that's what you want to say. What about... Is occipital a word? Occipital, yes it is. That's an I. Okay. So, he's got these little covers that go over his eyes when it's a nose cone, so this could be occipital covers. Sure. The occipital intake covers on the fore of the nose cone. I want to use aeronautic words, man. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that counts as one. It's occipital. It goes over the eyes. Uh huh. It's actually a really scary little hinge if you don't know how it works. So I'm sorry. Actually, the Draken isn't a a delta. It's a cranked arrow. I th- I thought you were an expert. Uh, no, I look, there's quite a bit that tries to go by, by memory. However, as I said before, the engineers that I've always looked up to and, and learned from have, uh, gone to clear things. So deltas and cranked arrows are very similar in, in shape. However, it's the, the notch mid wing, the fact that it's kind of tailless, it has the fin, but it doesn't have a separate tail that um, kind of changes its uh, its um, classification. All right. Well, before we get any other mistakes, maybe we should just end this podcast. There's actually one other thing I should mention: is there's some tampographing on the wings and on the tail fin. Mm-hmm. Those have uh, like clear, you know, like sheets stuck down on them to protect them in shipping. Uh-huh. There have been not many, but just enough, like, you know, two or three confirmed reports of people pulling off, you know, peeling the stick no. the thing off and then the tampo no. kind of coming with it a little bit. Uh, that did not happen I, I, on mine. I, I, oh, I was going to say, as soon as you said that, I was just like, no. So That's, one of the first. sounds like the worst thing. I believe one of the first English speaking people to get this toy had that happen to them. Oh. So you know that how that then translates into all the people waiting for theirs in shipment, right? Yeah, that's every report that I've read in English says that when you take these tampos, the, the, the protections off, it comes with it. So that must be how it happens. 
Yeah, the the photo is terrible though. Like you see on the wings, uh-huh. there are those like kind of this the like it's, the J shapes, the big yeah, white. Yeah, that's the one where someone there's a mid peel photo someone took with the film peeled up and a good chunk of the J on the film that is peeled up. Uh, and I was like, I would I would cry. I would I wouldn't know what to do. You just you just put it back down. Yeah, just put it just... back. Just put that back down. Just leave that there. <laughs> Take an exacto and carefully trim the film around the tampograph, so it's only on the tampograph. Um, despite the fact that I kind of manhandled mine a whole bunch, I haven't actually had any major paint chipping or any that I've noticed that don't look like they just happened in production. The only thing that's happened is, and this is impossible to describe without pictures, there are these, there are, the wings are on these triple jointed things that are very easy to accidentally have start scraping along the bottom of another pair of hinges on the backpack. Um, if you don't know how the thing works, like I didn't. Um, so you end up having what was a smooth edge on a piece turn into a kind of rough edge because it ground along another piece of plastic. It's not horrific. I don't mind it that much. But it is there, and I, I wish I could describe it better in audio, but I'll try to show it whenever I videotape this guy. I was so worried about the transformation, I actually videotaped this guy as I opened the toy. Like, I, I videotaped all the box stuff, then I videotaped the jet mode before I even tried transforming it, because I was like, what if I never get it back into jet mode? I just better get all this done now. Uh, it was a very pleasant surprise when it turns out I like transforming it. But that is our podcast, everybody. Uh, that's episode 452 of WTF and TFW. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back again with more Transformers talk and other talk. Wave 4 and Wave 3 of Titans Return are all still starting to hit in my area, at least, and Russia, apparently. So hopefully Americans will get at them, too, and we can keep a flow of, uh, of on-topic talk over, over the coming months. But mm-hmm. if not, then don't worry. Off-topic is always at the end of the show. Uh, and except for all of the multiple times where I would suddenly remember something on topic and bring it up during the off-topic section, you're not missing anything if you skip the off-topic part. Um, also, this isn't relevant at all to anyone listening to this now, most probably, but the, the Twitch Power Rangers Marathon has hit Power Rangers RPM. So it is at peak quality right now. Which will be long over by the time you hear this. Yes, but I just wanted to mention that, because that made me... That was the only... The the first thing I was excited by was to see how the Twitch chat would deal with watching Power Rangers, and it did not disappoint. Like, during the early, like, original series stuff, every time the putties would show up, people would just start spamming in capitals BL, 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 because that's the putty noise. The blah, 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 blah noise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it kind of got depressing, but I was like, oh, you know, RPM's coming. So now we've hit it, we've hit the peak, it'll only get worse once RPM is done. It was only worse than RPM before RPM hit. But that's okay. I'm glad that maybe a new generation of people are getting exposed to the really good Power Rangers series. And I know I'm inviting a whole lot of debate when I say that, so... Um... Don't at me! Bye-bye.
what the f*** it means, but you got some badass perpetrators that are here to stay.